listen all the time. I know you do. You know, I take I know those notes, you know. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, but it's only, like I said, it's, uh, I mean, why not? It's like, you know, not coming to ABCA, not listening to those podcasts, not interacting with coaches. It's like, right. if I weren't to do that, it's like I'm leaving a million dollars on the table. Like, why wouldn't I want to take that? He comes in and Brandon's like, was it flat? Like, did he miss? What's the deal? It was a 100 mile an hour fastball. And Ozzy Albies is just like, it's just, it's just 100. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> and Brandon's like, yep. Yeah, it's time. That's it. That's it. It's time, <laughs> to, come on, boys. It's time to quit. That's, that's too much, honestly. So a lot of it is like, it, so fastball velocity has never been more important in the game because yep. you got to get in and you have to pitch around it. But it's yep. never been less important because the hitters get exposed to it. So. True. You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. Back and better than ever. It's 2019 here in the ABCA National Office in Greensboro, North Carolina. And with the first episode of another podcasting season to each of you. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We are still your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold. And the place where you come to connect very best baseball minds in our game really quick subscribe review and share find us wherever podcasts are free make sure you hit subscribe and keep sharing the show through your baseball community make sure you connect with us on social media we're on facebook and twitter find us at abca 1945 you can also head over to our website abca.org if you're looking for more information about what our baseball coaching fraternity here is all about also, please feel free to reach out to me directly at CoachSheets3 on Twitter or by email Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at ABCA.org. Okay, here is the stat line for those playing at home. It was four days of baseball heaven. There were 60-plus coaching clinics, 300-plus exhibitors, only three cups of coffee for me the entire weekend as we mixed it up with 6,650 coaches from around the world. They joined us in Dallas for yet another record-breaking convention. You know, they say that everything is bigger in Texas, and that statement proved to be dead on. What a tremendous weekend for our coaching fraternity. The environment that our coaches created had a real pulse to it. And I've said this inside my own circles, and I should definitely share it with you guys. The numbers are great, but it was the culture that we're most proud of. It was the spirit of community, the one of sharing, where egos were dropped, smiles and bro hugs were exchanged, and more than that, the association and our convention took a gigantic leap forward. And that's awesome, guys. And we appreciate your help in doing that. That's the perfect building block and battery recharger for 2019. Now, with these shows, they're recorded live from the Dallas convention. We were outside the trade show doors. This is the first of two episodes coming at you this week as we connected with a wide range of coaches across all levels of the game, even into the softball ranks, to pick the brains of some of our loyal members, talk about Dallas, talk about the ABCA, but more than that, get into the nuts and bolts of the game and the way that they see it. So let's dive right in. A lot of terrific information to take in here. Get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Here in Dallas, we're going to welcome in the ABCA third vice president, head coach of the University of Louisville, Dan McDonald. Mac, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Sheets. Glad to be here. It's awesome to have you now. Interesting look, and only the camera would see this. If you're listening to the podcast, you don't know this, but he is head-to-toe, pinstriped up. Uni just came off the stage. Can you talk about your clinic you just got done? My coaches give me a hard time because they know anytime we speak anywhere, we want to be in uni. Yep. So that they know I'm a big fan of the uniform uh, as opposed to, I guess, business clothes. But uh, <laughs> it was neat. Opportunity to speak at the youth clinic. What's yep. his second year running? Yep. 
And, um, man, that's, that's the future of the game. No doubt. And I was just really psyched to try to pour into uh, young coaches, men and women, coaching, you know, 5, 8, 10, 12-year-olds and trying to encourage them, give them some tips as to hopefully help these kids love the game, grow in the game, yeah. get hooked on the game. And, and then we ended it with some drills and, you know, sure. some, some throwing drills, a little competition, a little base running. But it was, it was more of a philosophical, hey, man, you're in a powerful position as a coach. Right. And we need you to help these kids grow and love this game, and, and it only helps us. It's awesome. You know, obviously you're you're hyper focused on your program, and uh, and we can go into the accolades of what you've done at the University of Louisville, which we'll get back to. But in preparation for that clinic, um, my guess would be there was a little bit of reflection, a little bit of growth moment. Like, oh wait a minute, I, I will have a stage. I will have a you know the ability to speak directly to these coaches. Can you take me through that that feeling? Well, it was you know look at my history as a coach, uh, college player, high school player. Uh, amateur player and then as a dad I got right. to witness uh, my son my youngest son going through he's a junior in high yeah. school now how much I had learned you know better today than maybe when I was 23 sure. teaching little kids about the game so for me it was now at my age and and what I've experienced how can I help these coaches what what are the challenges they're facing right um, coaching eight-year-olds 10 or 12 and so I just Started with a piece of paper, wrote down from teamwork to adversity to fun at practices and games, right? Um, to uh, you know, specialization, burnout, sure, sure. Uh, love of the game, ambassador. So I just wrote down all these topics, had a few notes of each one that I thought parents, coaches could relate to, yeah. But then I know they, they really want drills, yeah. So I tried to end it. 15 minutes of, hey, let me give them a good base running drill at practice. Let me give them a good throwing drill. And, and everything I showed them on the screen is just like our camps, what we do with our players every day. I, I don't That's care awesome. if you're coaching 8-year-olds, 10, 12, 15. I'm coaching 20-year-olds. It starts with the fundamentals. Sure. Proper throwing, catching, fielding. I didn't do any of the offensive stuff, the hitting side. Yeah. But, you know, we, we, we want – coaches of the younger generation there's not that big a difference yeah i mean it's the game's the game we're not reinventing the wheel no doubt we're just trying to be very fundamental and if anything i think in our game it's it's the mindset that i wanted to address what are we doing up here where are we in our hearts yeah how are we helping the game grow that's so good it's gave them some perspective gave them some takeaways Trying to make them better coach is pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's we all want to win. Uh, I'm sure that they coach because they love the game. And, yeah. and let's face it, we're competitive. We want to win. But, man, at that young age, th those kids, um, you know, most important, we want them to, to grow in the game and love the game. Right. I mean, if they're right. going to stay in this game of baseball, they're going to want to aspire to be a high school player or sure. college player or professional player. It's going to start when they're 8, 10, 12. That's right. And it's a challenge, you know. It's, there's competition with other sports. There's a lot of uh, media, social media distractions. No doubt. You know, how do we run our practices? What are we emphasizing in the games? Yeah. How do we handle failure? What do we do when we lose? Um, where have we made mistakes? We've all made mistakes with young kids. It's okay. Address yeah. it. Yeah. And what I didn't talk about enough of on the main stage and I did in the side room, I had a lot of, I had a lot of questions about parents. Of course. Yes. You know, and it, it's – 
you know, for me, 18 to 22-year-olds, I, I have a relationship. These kids are mature enough. I deal with them. Um, but at that youth age, you got to deal with the parents. That's right. And so you have to really coach up parents. You have to go over guidelines, and these are the team rules. This is what we're trying to accomplish. Even from a simple rule of if you're a parent and you're frustrated – after the game's not a best time to talk about it. Timing's everything. Yeah, I let, let, let's have a rule where let's cool off, let's go home, let's yeah. set up a, a – let's have coffee tomorrow morning or lunch or right. something. Let's talk over the phone. But let's not talk after a game yeah. in a ballpark setting with your kid there and parents there. And yeah. so there were things I, I got to speak about in the side room that I didn't even share on the big stage. Sure. Oh, wow. Um, you know, this is a prelude to our conversation here in a few weeks. So if you're listening to this, again, convention uh, post-wrap-up recap episode, you'll be hearing from Dan here in a week or so. Get him on the full podcast. So I don't want to go into too much, but, you know, from uh, – you, you know how much this hurts me as a member of Big Blue Nation to stare at this cardinal head. But what I love is that, man, and you know we've talked about this, man, I respect and admire what you've built there at Louisville. And I know the, the history of that program growing up an hour away – what you've been able to do since stepping on campus and, and really growing it into something special. I just think for guys standing here listening, can you talk about maybe the, the, uh, what you thought was important there that first year in 07 and then building up in terms of the culture and what it feels like and tastes like inside your program? Yeah, well, I mean, first, when we talk about the rivalry, I love the rivalry. There's a lot of respect. You know, one of my great friends yeah. is Coach Keith Madison. Yeah. So that, for me, was an I say an easy transition into be mature about this rivalry. Sure. Let the fans get all hyped up and excited. <laughs> as, as they, they do. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love it. That's what we love. That, yeah. That's why four or 5,000 come out when we play each other. Every time. Um, but, you know, for, for me with inside the program, you said the word culture. Mm. It's the sexy word in athletics. It is. Um, it starts with the student athletes. Uh, for me it was let's pour into them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us, we, we get these jobs because we're recruiters. And the fear is sometimes, well, he's going to recruit his own kids. Sure. And, no, I wanted to make sure that first group that we inherited, and we inherited a great group from yeah. Lalo Prado, uh, let's, let's help these kids. This is their time, their experience. And I say it every year, and it, it's so true. They have a small window, three or four years. Right. It's not about me. I, I hope I've been coaching 27 years. I, I hope to coach maybe another 27, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But – they have a small window. It's about them. Sure. You have to make it about them. The FCA breakfast this morning, Coach Deggs was awesome. He said some real things that hit you right in the chest. You oh, know, no. like it's it's about these players. And, and these players, we need them more so than they mm. even need us. And, yeah. and how much we love this game and we love to, you know, we don't really call this work. We right. love our job, if you call it a job. Uh, so pour into the kids. Let them know you're here for them. Then get them to work their tail off yep. and get them to believe. We talked mm-hmm. about the mental side. Mm-hmm. And so that first year was let's just get to a regional and let's uh, – this is how you get to a regional. And they were talented. They bought in. And, you know, when you get to a regional, anything can happen. No doubt. And we had that magical run to Omaha. And that just – boy, that just – that was the springboard. That set the tone. It sure So did. now everything we were saying to recruits, to parents – Everybody knew, I guess, we were for real. It it. wasn't just a pipe dream, and we've kept that momentum. So I give so much credit to that 07 team. Mm -hmm. They they laid the the groundation. They they set the tone, and it's been a great, my gosh, 12 years have flown by. But um, 
you know, we're, we're dealing with all those great Kentucky kids, uh, southern Indiana right over the bridge, and yep. then, you know, we're, we're that hopefully southern home for Midwest <laughs> kids. No Ohio, doubt. Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Minnesota. You know, we always say we're not Miami, but we're in the south. <laughs> we're close. Yeah, you know, we're in the south. Kentucky's a southern state, so That's right. come south, and uh, if this is what you want, uh, out of your experience, this is who we are. And, yeah. and so we, we've been successful academically. We preach the degree. We've been successful in player development. Um, let's face it, that's what kids want. No they want to get better. And then we preach team success. If, yeah. you know, playing in the regionals or going to Omaha or winning a national championship is something you want to aspire, or try to achieve as a player, we think, we think our program's a good fit for you. No doubt. Well, it's obvious. You mentioned right in the middle of that. Uh, coming in with a mindset that this is about the players, it's about this team. Uh, honestly, I think you did as good a job as anybody as wrapping your arms around that first group. And, again, being privy to more information than most, man, being great friends with Aaron Gershenfeld and Skylar Mead and those guys and getting the behind-the-curtain view of, of what was going on and obviously what's transpired since. Um, I want to go back to that, and it's probably something we'll talk about more in depth on the podcast is just that um, – the mindset of being transformational and relational, and I know it's a huge piece, the kids are at your house, you know, periodically throughout the year, and that's a big piece of, of the integration of your family into the program. Has that always been there? Is that something that you matured and morphed into, as most coaches do, you know? Yeah, I spent 12 years at a military college at the Citadel, so yeah. you, you had to learn how to connect. You had to, you had to love on kids and let kids had to trust you. If they were going to go to a military school, no they doubt. had to trust you. I spent six years with Mike Bianco. Uh, at Ole Miss, and, and, you know, he calls it the Skip Burtman system. Yeah. Uh, what a blessing. Yeah. I, got, I got inside information, you know, as to – The blueprint. That's right. And I took that system uh, to Louisville, and, you know, for me as a Christian, you know, what's at the premise of our belief? Love. Yeah, that's it. You got to love and just love on these kids. You know, and the, the one thing you love about baseball players, I know – you can't fool them. Never. No, I, I tell these kids all the time. and th- They can't fool themselves. Yeah. They cannot fool their teammates. No doubt. Uh, and as coaches, man, you, you can't fool them. Mm. These kids are, are smart. So just be who you are. You don't have to be perfect. Uh, be real. And uh, we learned a lot from each other. That I had yeah. nine seniors on that team. Uh, special group. Special group. They, they they hold a special place in my heart because I don't I don't know if I'm sitting here today if it weren't for that Ooh. that that group of nine seniors that bought in and then I, we had a lot of young talent too the Justin yeah. Marks and the Chris Dominguez's and Not some really good young players uh, that we inherited. Um, but as you know, I mean, I, I get a lot of credit and you get this mention. I took them to Omaha or whatever. And, you know, it's very humbling because you realize, wait a second, man, this no doubt. This is a this is an uh, an army of people. You didn't you know, throw it, one pitch. Didn't take one at bat. No, no. I, this is uh, this is your entire coaching staff. Yep. This is the administration. This is the support staff. I'm, you know, I I think our coaches and support staff appreciate uh, what we are and, and and what we're about. But I I demand a lot from them. Sure you do. I mean, they, they're the reason. I mean, yep. our 15 straight semesters of a team GPA over 3.0, I'm, wow. not, I'm not the one at study hall. No doubt. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not the one – I check classes <laughs> once in a while, but it, it's our academic support staff. That's right. Now, you have to 
ask them or demand that from them. You know, I don't coach the hitters. That was Coach Limonis, and that's mm-hmm. been Coach Snyder. Yep. And, and, and the other guys that have helped, and, you know, I've had one pitching coach, Coach Williams, for absolutely going on 13 years. One and of the best in the game. That's it. You know, yeah. so, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I used to say you win in life with people. Mm-hmm. And probably, I don't know, it might be five years now, but it's at least three or four. You win in life with the right people. There you go. And I think that's the key to success. If you talk about culture, you've got to surround yourself with the right people. Right. You can't do this by yourself. We're in an age of head coach responsibility, yep. and I get it, and uh, CEO responsibility, and we got to be able to point the finger to somebody. That's right. Uh, and so, like anything else, we probably get too much blame when something goes wrong, mm-hmm. and we get too much credit when well things said. go right. You know, so, I, you know, I just challenge people, man, surround yourself with the right people. Oh, that's well said. You know, without spoiling too much for our big conversation, let me just ask this. You know, this is an interesting convention for you. Uh, all your years of attendance as third vice president, you know, you're in charge of the two high school speakers. Next year, you know, the full rest of the full slate's on you as second VP. Just talk about the ABCA, what it's meant for you as in your coaching career, your development, but then the transition to being part of our, our vice president chain. You come from the Hall of Fame banquet last night. And you get to listen to the seven inductees, and you get to hear their story and their history. And right. Where I always smile is they talk about the first ABCA convention they went to. Absolutely. In Atlanta. Yeah. In Miami. Yeah. In you know, San Francisco. That's all, right. Yeah. And, and you think back to I was blessed when I started coaching at a young age. I was encouraged and went as a 23-year-old and just loved it. That's awesome. And made a vow. I haven't missed, you know, 27 years, conventions. Love it. Um, Whether I had to make the investment or you're fortunate enough to get to school to make the investment, it is so worth it. And and I've transformed Mm -hmm. over the years what I was doing as a 28-year-old to what I'm doing as a 48-year-old. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah, believe me. You know, but there is – it's just amazing to see the growth. And I always – Ask people, I don't know how you don't come to this. Sure. I mean, for me, and, uh, and it's before the season, so I, I, I do know there's the thought of uh, I want to spend that last yep. weekend at home with my family. Right. And, you know, for at least college coaches, it's, it's, this is right before the season. But, you know, fortunately, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, I spent so much time with my family yep. that I need this before the baseball season. Right. I go back, and I'm, I'm – rejuvenated i'm competitive you see the other great coaches and guys in your league and guys that you gotta beat in a regional or super regional in omaha and it just fires you up and i i stand in front of our team and i explain what i just went through every year right i just got back from the coaches convention i got to listen to these guys speak i was in meetings with these guys and like i said it's it's i i appreciate it now more and i love it more I, i love the responsibility being a part of the the, the vice president meetings, That's right. being on the board, feeling like I could give back. You know, mm-hmm. Slosh is standing over there and other coaches. I remember when I kind of got – I don't know, you feel like you say you got thrown into it. Yeah. Hey, I nominate Coach McDonald, and you're sitting there going, <laughs> what do you just nominate me for? <laughs> what am I doing now? Yeah, what do I have to do? And, and I grabbed Coach Blankemeyer and I said, Ed, what, what did you just – what do I have to do now? And, oh, don't worry about it, Dan. You'll love it. And he's right. No doubt. I mean, I don't know, five years ago – I love it. I, right. I love being involved in um, the expo and the, and the youth clinics and obviously the big stage. You, you just had Mike Matheny. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just 
um, but from the exhibits. And for me, it's a time to see the newest products, see the best products. Sure. I mean, it's it's almost not enough time. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's th- three, four days that fly by. Yes, they do. And I said it last year. I'll say it again, man. And this is there is no better way to kick off the baseball season uh, than coming to the ABCA every year. And, and this is mm. this is the springboard to. Man, I want to try that drill. I want to order that product. Yep. I, I want to connect. I spoke to that coach. Uh, like I always say at our camps, man, we want it to be a springboard. Yeah. The ABCA convention, man, this is a springboard to hopefully a great 2019. Say it louder for the people in the back. I'm going to uh, pray for Dan here real quick because uh, he's going to have to walk back to his hotel room in this uniform, <laughs> and he ain't skirting by nobody. Everybody's going to grab you and, and want to talk to you, but – uh, we appreciate what you're doing for the game of baseball, my friend. We're glad you're part of what we're what we're into, and uh, enjoy the rest of Dallas, Mac. Man, I'm honored to be a part, and again, let's let's give thanks to the ABCA because uh, you guys are a big part of helping this game grow and the work that goes on behind the scenes as as yeah. we've got to see it. Yeah. Uh, so these coaches can just come and pay a small fee and get the best of the best. Man, this is yeah. a this is a home run. So kudos to the ABCA. Thank you very much. This guy is one that I watch closely, and I love him to death. Sent me a couple hats, but I think he's one of the best out there doing it. Wes Brooks, Oxford High School in Alabama. Wes, thanks for jumping on with me. Oh, just glad to be here uh, every year when I come to the ABCA. It's just a game changer. Um, we, you know, we have practice starting Monday, and, yep. and we're going to put in ten things that we learned this week. Mm. We're going to have things that we learned four years ago still rolling. Um, it's just an unbelievable atmosphere, and the biggest thing about it, is uh, I used to coach football too, yep. uh, linebackers, and I'd go to these football clinics, and there's guys hiding over in the corner that's, that's whispering how to defend the wing That's team. it, that's it. And here, everybody's <laughs> yelling out loud on, on, on hitting mechanics, pitching mechanics, yep. and we're just all trying to share and grow the game, and that's just the biggest thing. So it means so much to me that I'm just so blessed to, to have an opportunity to, to be involved in this sport. That's awesome. Old gold is in the house. Now, to that point, you know, we, we talked and we talked in the early podcast about how uh, our, our fraternity, our brotherhood is a little bit different in that we will. We'll give you everything but our signs. And I think the difference would be if you went to a football or a basketball convention, you walk up on a guy, he's at the bar, and he's ratch- or, you know, scratching something on a note on a, on a napkin, it's a play, and he'll right. tuck it before you, you, know, you ever get up to him. Oh, um, yeah. But the difference is, and I'm going to go right into this because, Wes, I'm, I'm so excited to break some of this stuff down. Right. I hope these guys are ready to mm-hmm. take some notes here. Butch Thompson's got his phone out ready to like take some it. notes. Um, go into this because you do some really creative innovative things on the high school level and we were just talking before we got going that you've stolen which is the signature trademark of our brotherhood um go into some of that let's break it down all right so uh four or five years ago 2014 uh me and my assistant we always try to go uh somewhere yep. uh, some college and get some information well we emailed mississippi state we emailed vanderbilt we met and the very first guy to email us back was greg dry he was uh Sure. Operations got Mississippi State. Butch Thompson and Cohen was there and was like, "Hey, we're going to drive over there." So we set up a date. We go over there, and uh, you know, Cohen he's like, "Hey, y'all coming from Alabama? What's going on?" You know, and then uh, and then Butch he kind of calls us into his Thought office. You had cameras with yeah. him, yeah. And I'm like, he's paranoid. But anyways, so Butch calls us in his office. He turns his hat on backwards. We we we're sitting there for about three straight hours before lunch, 
just talking ball, and I'm thinking, I'm pinching myself, thinking, is this real? Yeah. And uh, the biggest thing is we were able to go out on the field, and by this time, Coach Cohen had relaxed a little bit. Sure. Somebody hitting coaches with him, and I walked to the bullpen and see Magic going on down there with the 18-inch string and all that. That's it. Um, we got an 18-inch string at ours now. <laughs> um, but anyways, so, so there's all these numbers up on the scoreboard. And, uh, and Greg, he's laughing. He's like, you wondering what those numbers are? And I'm like, yeah, what's, what's going on on the scoreboard? You know, it's got all nine innings, and it's got the errors they hit and all that, and home score, visitor right. score, and there's got numbers on each one. He's like, see that 4.3 right there in that error column? That's how many seconds the infielders have to throw it over the first. And, and I was like, what do you mean? And he's, you know, I knew that, but I was like, well, why is it up on the scoreboard? We was like, just wait and watch that part of practice. I think they called it power batting practice, but we changed it. Montgomery is where our state finals is played. Right. So we call it Montgomery batting practice. And I, I'm like Butch. Uh, he's, he's a base running defensive guy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, then, and then our hitters just have to conform to that type of practice. Right. So, so anyway, so I'm watching, and I'm kind of writing notes. I'm filming. So you got uh, you got two first basemen, two second basemen, two shortstops, two third basemen. You know, there's two or three outfitters each position. You got a pitcher on the mound, on the actual rubber, right? With a baseball pitcher down in front, next to the behind the L screen, uh, and he's doing right side get overs. Yep. Uh, anytime the ball's hit to the right side, when the L screen, when the ball hits the L screen, the pitcher on the rubber's turning, turn a double play with the two guys in double play depth mm-hmm. in the middle. Uh, one first baseman is on the bag. One's backed up playing the right side get overs. Uh, the, the second baseman that's that's not in double play depth, he's fielding all balls and throwing it over to first in 4.3 seconds. The shortstop that's not in double play depth that's playing regular position, he's doing the same in 4.3. There's a third baseman up front. He's getting bunts. The other guy playing. So it's like unbelievable. And there's nobody standing around. Right. And obviously if they low from transition to transition, then Coach Cohen just say down and back. You know, you go to the pole and down and back. So it takes about two hours to organize that as far as getting your guy that plays right field, shortstop, uh, pitcher, and he hits. Uh, but once we set that rotation of the MVP rotation mm-hmm. on, the, on all the five rounds, then you knew where you were every day. Well, you get to the end, there's a chart. Well, you got to get so many double plays. You got to turn, uh, you got to throw so many balls over in 4.3. You got to catch so many line drives. So it's like a BP setting and there's no more shagging. Thanks to Mississippi State. Oh my goodness. There's no more shagging at our practice. Everybody is playing the ball off the bat. And I'm a big time believer that the only way to get great defensively is to actually play that ball off the bat because the fungo and the spin and the hack attacks. And we do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But you just, the prep step and and, and not knowing if a ball is coming to you or not and then it does. And then they got this uh, criteria to meet and let's say they've got to do 44 double plays and they've got to catch 12 line drives and, and five web gems and all this stuff, and sure. then you're short by 20, then, then we do a little slow roller drill to win those 20 back, and then let's say we really end up being short by 11, then we run 11 60-yard sprints, and then we go right into inner squad and it's just stuff like that that we wow. come to the ABCA, we develop relationships, and just, you know, the San Diego State head coach, yeah. Martin. I'm yeah. sitting there talking to him right there. We just exchanged phone numbers. Breaking I'm it down. Al- I'm from Alabama. He's from San Diego. We're talking about Tony Gwynn. And yes. I mean, it's just unbelievable to, to be uh, to be able to just kind of sit down at a table. And pro- probably one of the – another great story is two years ago in Anaheim, I'm, I'm at Starbucks and Ken Revis is behind me. And I, I buy his coffee. Oh. So we go and he said, well, I'm going to eat breakfast with you if I – he had ended up adding an oatmeal to it, but um, so we go and sit down in the corner, and uh, you know he talks about heads up baseball too. Sure. And I'm a big time uh, believer in Brian Kane, and I've been yep. doing his stuff, which in 
I think it was in Nashville, I heard him speak, and then in Orlando, was sitting right next to him at a clinic, and then right. next two days later, he's Skyping our team. So, wow. But anyway, so sitting there with Ken, and just, you know, he's the godfather of mental conditioning. No and, doubt. And him talking, being in the Cubs dugout, and talking through what guys were saying, and taking the deep breath, and, and, and you know, he is just, you know, everybody in the whole Starbucks there was just silent. And, and listen to him. And then he says, "Come by my booth, and I'll give you one of our books, and I'll sign it for you." And and then, uh, and then, of course, I think on one of the podcasts, you know, y'all talked about mm-hmm. him him passing this past year, yeah. and just I, I was actually running, and I didn't know it, and I was listening to the podcast, or or might have might have just you know went across whatever I was listening to, and just you know I had to stop and get a moment there, just yeah. because I felt like the game of baseball just paused for about five minutes. Yeah, I'm there just just being around him and. And then, of course, Brian Kane ran his inner circle meetings on Friday nights here, so I would be a part of that. Sure. Ken and Alan Yeager would be a part of that. And another memory, uh, one of my earliest memories probably in 2011, is going to the pitching hot stove. And I, you know me. I'm getting there early. I'll sit on the yeah, front row. no doubt. And, uh, and there's nobody standing up there talking. And then I turn around, and everybody's looking at us. And you got Alan Yeager, and you got Jerry Weinstein, and Eric Cressy, and Kyle Bodie's in the background. And, um, and I'm thinking, oh, Okay. Well, I'm just sitting over here with a big dog. So they yeah. said they looked out in the crowd and they said, "Does anybody got any questions?" Well, everybody was kind of afraid to start it off. Sure. Well, I just started asking questions, and then, and and then they'd finish, and I'd ask another question. I'm sitting here taking a ton of notes, <laughs> thinking, "Heck yeah!" And then just all that stuff, the way the game has changed, the way people are preparing uh, to throw, and the post throwing recovery, and and then the hitters, and the, you mm. know, just all the new technology involved with all that, and just to be able to bring that back to our small school. And, and I'm going to sure. brag on you a little bit. Um, oh, baby. Me, me being from Oxford, Alabama, Cheech, uh, you, you've done so much for the game. Uh, there's guys that don't even come to the ABCA, which we're trying to get to, that I just – hey, listen to this podcast from Heefner at Dallas Baptist, mm. if you want to know about hitting. And, uh, and, I, and I just want to say I appreciate you uh, so much. And I know you know this already, but I'm going to give you a pat on the back because <laughs> it's just unbelievable. You can sit there. You know, it motiv- I don't like to run, but uh, what motivates me to run is I know I'm going to listen to a new podcast. I'll just put it on. And, and I always stop halfway in between because I can't make it to 45 minutes or an hour. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, as we started extending the episodes, we get to an hour and a half. That's a long time to run, man. Marathon. Dude, thank you very much. Appreciate right. that. And mm-hmm. it, it, that. That is the motivation that keeps us working hard and, and – and harder to keep kind of growing this thing. Uh, I want to go into to, uh, one thing you mentioned earlier. We are talking about the, the anvil, I oh, believe. Yeah. And I'm excited to hear it. Can you break that down okay, for me? Okay, yeah. So I stole it from Butch Chaffin at, at ten, uh, Cookville High School yep. in, Tennessee, uh, in Tennessee. And uh, met him here. Okay. Uh, actually met him at USA Baseball and working at an NTIS event mm-hmm. in 2013. Um, so, you know, we share ideas. Last night we're sharing an idea about how to bunt and stuff like that, squeeze. and Yeah. And so, okay, so the anvil. So, uh, so he's on social media back in 2014. You know, it's still the egg. Yeah, the still point. the egg. Yep. And uh, so he's doing this mental toughness thing. And, and we did similar to what Vanderbilt did, the Omaha Challenge. We would do a Montgomery Challenge. Okay. And, and for that, for us, was more of 80% team and about 20% individual because you were on a team and right. you were competing in right. an obstacle course. And then he was doing an individual thing called the anvil. And the story behind the anvil is the player is the piece of metal and the coaches and the parents are that hammer just chiseling away at his life. Mm. When you dip the metal down in, in fire, that's the adversity that you go through. And then when you dip it in water, that's the victory that you get. And then the anvil itself is everything that makes up you as, as a person. Wow. So, so that's the story behind it. And we do a big-time video, and we do it the third week 
third Wednesday in January. Butch does it the last school day of the first semester. So we're all kind of like on social media <laughs> sure, to tracking know it. new ideas. So yeah. there's 21 different events signifying the 21 different outs in the game you get in a high school game. Yeah. Some are easy. Some are 25 jumping jacks. Some are hard, like running a mile or flipping mm -hmm. a tire 50 yards, simulating the outs in a game. Some mm -hmm. are easy. Some are, mm -hmm. some are hard. So the top ten guys uh, get the Anvil Champion T-shirt only if everybody finishes. So if I'm a top ten guy, I run all the way to the end and I help that, you know, offensive lineman guy sure. that's playing third base sure. for us. I help him finish. And then, you know, just like Butch said today, it's tough, it's hard, we're doing it together. And when we get finished, you feel good because you did something tough and you were able to survive. So, uh, so that is the Anvil. And then in 2015, we had a little uh, – we had an anvil made, and I say little, it's about 200 pounds. Well, our manager is a pretty strong guy. Well, he would carry it, you know, from, from first base dugout to the practice field, you know. So, and then one time we forgot Goodness. it on the road. Uh, you know, <laughs> we had to get some hand trucks to carry it, you know, on the road. So, <laughs> sure. the opening day, he took it on the road, and then like our first area game on the road, we ended up getting beat in the last inning. We're up 3-1, to one, got beat 4-3, to three, and then from then, that point on, we never let – because when things got tough and we're down by four mm -hmm. in the sixth inning – we, we look at that anvil and say, hey, we got to overcome this adversity. You know, wow. so that's just kind of – now we've got a little styrofoam. <laughs> and we'll sit in our <laughs> it travels so much easier <laughs> than before. But now the real deal and the real thing is um, is, is sitting there in our in our practice dugout at Oxford High School, the actual 200-pound. Wow. And, and then we actually move it out to home plate, and that's where we start and finish the competition. And it's just each year, uh, like two years later, we ended up – uh, following John Gordon, which I met here, which he sold sure. that book, One Word Focus, and yes. it might have been in Nashville. That, that was probably the big, you know, uh, uh, the program with Eric Capitulic, Brian Kane, uh, yeah. Butch Thompson doing pitching by two, and then John Gordon speaking. Those four lineups in a row, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we got his One Word Focus. So what we did two years ago was we flipped up, we dug up home plate, we got uh, about 30 rocks, we all wrote our One Word Focus and wrote our goals down, Buried them under home plate, tamped them oh, in, and then so next that year, is sweet. you know, this kids these days they want an identity. Yes, um, that they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And then I think the game of baseball offers that, and it's how the coach makes it up. If the coach can make it enjoyable and fun and yep. memorable, uh, those kids are going to talk about that anvil overcoming adversity and hopefully make them better husbands, fathers, and bosses no, 10 years down the road. No Not doubt. wanting to get up, but hey, I went through that anvil, you know. So that's just that's what it's all about, and just the, you know. I played a certain way, and I hit, and I was a pretty good player. I caught, and I was a pretty good player, but I don't do – I don't catch. I don't teach catching or hitting right. or pitching like I did when I was growing up. And it's because um, I was – I had a fixed mindset coming out, of college, coming out of college. I thought I knew it all, and if I didn't know it all, I was going to call my college coach, and he was going to know it yeah. all. So now yep. I'm like, hey – like last night, I, I knew I wanted to find some kind of bunt drill series that we're going to do every single day. Mm. So finally I get Butch down there. His topic today, or his first slide said, we're going to be the best in the country at, uh, that doesn't require any athletic ability, yeah. in which bunting is one of those, right. like anybody can right. bunt. So I thought he's the perfect guy. So last night uh, at the restaurant, we're sitting there talking for 30 minutes just about the sack bunt. And so, and I'm already going to implement that this year differently than the way I, I taught it last year. And it's wow. just because of guys like him willing to share. And, and you know, and guys like Adam Mosley from Hoover and David Sharp from Huntsville. Mm -hmm. um, we're such good friends, and we want to play each other. Right. Now, when the game's going on, yeah, we're going to do everything we can to win, and, and, and we're going to compete. Sure. Uh, but, but I'm okay if we end up losing by a run or if we end up winning. You know, we're both okay right afterwards because we're just trying to grow the game. 
Wow. Um, it's just unbelievable to, to, to be able to come to the American Baseball Coach Association Convention every year and get to see 7,000 of like-minded guys yep. that do things a little bit different. And if you got a growth mindset, you'll catch up to, to the to kids uh, in, the, in, in today's society that are maybe technology-driven and, mm-hmm. and are maybe motivated. Like Brian Kane says, motivation is like a shower. You need it daily. <laughs> Well, think kids don't get motivated like we did. You know, you know, sure. whatever the coach said, he could, you know, we just kind of do whatever, and you know, because he's the coach and he said it. Now kids don't want to know why and how, and they can Google it and see right. if you're telling them the truth That's or not. It. And so finding different ways to motivate kids, and, uh, and 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 the biggest thing that I've learned since 2014, and and, and majority of this is coming from this convention is. If you can build the man, you'll get a better baseball player. Mm. Um, uh, if if you can say it again, <laughs> yeah. If, if you can if you can teach him some responsibility, some discipline, and accountability and ownership, sure. Then he's going to get that bunt down for you in the sixth inning when you need it. Mm. At the same time, ten years down the road, he's going to get his kids to school on time, and he's going to take care of that family. Um, just because we taught him that through the game of baseball. And, and now, wow. I mean, we even got our own classroom. We call it the team room. We got our culture on the wall. And yep. and it's where magic happens. And I hear all, you know, every, and we got that from here, Coach uh, Corbin having his little classroom. And, sure. and it's huge to spend 20 minutes at the, before you even go out to practice. Spend those 20 minutes in that classroom and let those kids know that you care. That's right. Uh, they don't. They don't care what you know unless they know that you care. That's you right. Know, and that's, you know, just, just little stuff like that to help our program just get 1% better each day, each yep. year. Um, and I'm just thankful to be in, in a fraternity of brothers, that band of brothers that just, just think alike and want to grow the game and share the game. And don't mind giving away your secrets. Right. And, and, and I'm going to – if you and I both believe in, in a certain mechanical way to hit or throw mm-hmm. – it's still going to be different because you're going to apply it different. I'm going to apply it different. And right. then when we meet on the field, it's going to look different. So, you know, sharing secrets is, you know, you still got to get out. So you still got to be able no to uh, defend the ball. You know, so it's just just a really, really great game. Gosh, it's great. Well, you mentioned Butch Chaffin. He's right yes. over there. Just walked through the lobby area. Obviously him, Chuck Box are speaking on the main stage this year. And we go to that because, again, when we look at the demographics and how many high school coaches are here, uh, you being one that, that, again, flourishes in this environment. You obviously have great success on the baseball field. Wes, let, let's go into this. Taking a main stage presentation, which, again, we've got uh, this year. You even got the, the Brewers' new, new pitching coordinator, mm-hmm. Jake McKinley. you got the head coach of the University of Texas. you got you know Pat Casey at Oregon State. You get some of the top-level Division One or Major League Baseball coaches. Then we get small school coaches within that. And, again, our two high school speakers. When you take in that upper-level information, and again, a lot of times they're speaking to the crowd, so it does translate well, mm-hmm. but some of it doesn't. When you do get that information that maybe doesn't quite translate to what you can immediately do at Oxford, how do you adjust? How do you, how do you implement some of that? You know, the, the biggest thing for me is, like, there's going to be 15 guys speak today, and there's going to be three guys that, hey, I want to meet him down in the lobby right. and sit down on the couch. And let's talk about that a little, a little bit deeper more. deeper dive, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we, we talked – I saw McKinley speak today. I already saw two slides, and I'm going to eat – you know, shoot, a couple years ago, uh, th- this infield coach from northern Colorado gets <laughs> up and speaks. And uh, Kyle Korea and that guy Kyle on Twitter. Yeah, that's it. And uh, I was like telling my assistant, I said, Coach, this guy's unbelievable. And so on Monday when I get back, I sent an email. I said, hey, can I – any chance I can have that presentation on email? Sure. On Tuesday, he sends it to me. And so we start doing these drills, and I start showing my players, my assistant coaches, working with those infielders. And next thing you know, he gets hired by 
Cleveland uh, Indians. Cleveland Indians. Yeah. He's the Cleveland Indians infield coordinator. Yeah. And uh, and they're like, Coach, that's that guy. And, you know, just like, no joke. He was that yeah. good. And, yeah. and, and probably, like you say all the time, his future boss was probably in that crowd in that expo and, theater. And two they years were. Ago. And they so, were. Um, and then, you know, so – uh, just try, you know, the way technology is, you can Google anything and mm-hmm. find more and more information about it. And, uh, you know, and, and we, we as high school coaches, we better keep up with it, mm-hmm. uh, keep up with what they're doing on, on the pro level because they're going to come in. You know, I was talking to uh, to Tommy Jackson. He's he's a scout for the New York Mets in our area. He came through Oxford a couple of days ago, and he was talking about some things that they use with blast motion sure. to measure the Nike swoosh and the bat, and mm-hmm. he's talking about the hips. You know the driveline hips moving forward, uh, and they're they're measuring that, and and this and projection of what type you know type guys they're going to talk to, and the new thing that USA Baseball and IMG and they're doing sure. that for the 18 year old. Sure. You know, and, and I'm like, okay, because our our hitting coach, which has moved on, he's in the crowd too. He just walked by. He's moved on to another high school last year. I had to hire six new coaches this year. Goodness, they all gracious. went to other schools. Either became head coach or hitting coaches. Or, wow! So it's it's almost like I've transferred to a new. I'm still the same school, but right. it's almost like I transferred to a new school. Starting over a little bit. Six new coaches, but you know, just just uh, researching and, and kids these days, they want to know the why, and so we try to do as much research and try to show the data mm-hmm. uh, to these guys, and then we try to measure it on their level. So we mm-hmm. might have a ball exit speed of 92. Whereas uh, today they were talking about on the stage of the of minor league guy having a ball exit speed of 102. Sure. Um, and then, but heck, you know, who knows? The, the late developer, they, they might get there one day. But but just being able to, to sit down and have coffee with a guy on that level, right. uh, if it wasn't coming from here, I wouldn't know what he's talking about. Sure. Um, sure. Rewind to, to 2008, I, I stayed at Ron Warforce place and saw his little 10-year-old boy about this tall, and now he's like 6 foot 13 right. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and throwing – 97, yeah. and just to see him, uh, I just stayed there. And so we implemented uh, the, the Texas Baseball Ranch Ultimate Pitcher Program wow. to our guys. And then and then for five years, now every seventh grader wants to graduate Oxford High School and throw 90 miles an hour. Yeah. But, but, you know, whether it's the actual program that works, but it's a philosophy and getting kids to buy into that uh, is, is probably the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just having a belief system. Getting kids to buy into what you're talking about, and and that system has to fit with the kids you're working with. So, sure. so the kids that I get at Oxford High School, it might not fit with uh, a coach in in Oregon or Washington of what they're doing because they're getting a different type player. So, mm. um, and then and then as high school coaches, we get what we get, and we got to make the best with what we got. Whereas a college coach can recruit, and obviously the pro guys get a good selection there. Sure. So just taking that knowledge and and figuring out how we can apply it on our level. You know, we don't have to get the $7,000 screen and, and show in the video, but we can get our phone and film it and spend 70 bucks, uh, ball exit speed, bat speed, right. spin rate, and all right. that stuff on our budget with what we got. But uh, but I'm blessed to be at a place that that uh, that anything I've ever wanted, uh, Oxford High School mm-hmm. has, has said, hey, whatever it takes to win a championship, and I've never been told no. Um, I haven't taken advantage of that. But, sure. Um, but I just know that they're going to back me, uh, whatever, whatever I'm doing. And then our city just kind of built uh, a brand-new $40 million complex at Chocolaco Park. Saying that to say they had a booth last year. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, in, they in sure Indianapolis. did. And, um, and then in 2011, two of my parents just came. They just came wow. to watch because I told them I had a, such a great time in 2008 in Philadelphia. Um, I was just talking it up, and then so two of my parents came in 2011. My brother came in 2000, I think it was 16, in Nashville. Um, he coaches travel ball uh, back near home, and 
just you know, and, and then once once you come, you're hooked. Yeah, that's right. You know? That's right. It's like Pringles. Once you pop, you can't <laughs> yeah, stop. stop. That's awesome. Well, gosh, man, you got so much passion to learn, and passion to grow, and passion to teach. Uh, Wes, we are again. I say this a lot, but we are. We're thankful to have men like you out there doing what you do, impacting players the way that you're playing. You know this as well as anybody. You're coaching a future coach, and oh, yeah. if they take any inkling of the passion and energy that you bring to coaching and, awesome. and mentoring and growing, man, they're going to be all right. One, one thing before I go, sure. I, I, I want to share a little bit of this, and I, and I put it on social media. So, so every year we come since 2011, I bring my family. Um, so I brought my wife, my, my two daughters, and my mother-in-law on this trip. So we, we start out in Alabama. We drive to Memphis, and we have lunch with some relatives uh, that we haven't seen in a while. We were able to see uh, a Martin Luther King Hotel. Sure. We were able to see the Big Pyramid. And then that night, we drive over to Little Rock, spend the night in Little Rock. You know, you can, you can go, drive straight to I-20 and get here in about yeah. nine hours, yeah, yeah, nine yeah. ten hours. But we decided to go to these other cities that we've <laughs> sure. never been to. Make an adventure make out of it. a family thing. Yeah. So, so we went to that little Central High School in Little Rock, and then we drove down last night. And then today they get in my truck and they drive to Oklahoma because it's a state that they've never been to. And then tomorrow they're going to drive to Waco and do something wow. down there. So, like, you know, if there's a coach, it's like, man, it's family time, it's Christmas. And, you know, it's cheap. It's not like it's, you know, 500 bucks to come. That's right. You know? Um, and most of the schools, you know, they, they take care of the coaches, and most of them will do professional development CEUs mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. it. But just to, just to be able to bring my family every single year, and they look forward to it. Um, you know, hey, they went to Disney World four or five years ago when it was in Orlando. That's right. And then they went to Disneyland when it was in NI. Wow. So just making it a big family event for me, um, it's not like, hey, your family's not allowed, or hey, your friends or your principals oh, no. aren't allowed. It, bring them. It's a growing experience uh, for everyone. It, you know, you – even if you're an athletic director, this is something that you could be at, and 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 always, you never know. And I tell this to our kids all the time: you never know, your boss could be in the audience. That's right. Oh, baby, well, you just made me think about when I can bring Coop and Charlie <laughs> here, yeah. and we can bring them here and run and let them run around the trade shoe floor and uh, get into products. Uh, Wes, get after it, man. Keep crushing Dallas. I know you will. Mm -hmm. How many notebooks did you bring? Uh, three. Three notebooks. They're different exactly. sizes based upon what room I'm in. And, exactly. You, know, you got my MacBook in the main place, and oh, you got your little pocket goodness. notebook in the expos because they're so crowded. You know. I love it. And then you, you got to don't and don't. I, don't, I learned in 2011 not to bring my credit card when I go <laughs> in the trade show because I'm gonna buy one of everything. Come back bankrupt. That's part of it. Well, thanks for jumping on with this, man. Best of luck. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Thanks, Wes. Yes, sir. Back on the floor, back on the air, Kent State University head coach Jeff Duncan. Dunk, thanks for joining us. Good to see you, Sheets, man. Pleasure is all mine, my friend. Yeah, man, this is awesome, man. I've been, I haven't seen you in, what, it's been five, six years? It, of, easily. Right? Yeah. It's been too long, but I've been following you. <laughs> I pre, we appreciate it as coaches what you're doing for college baseball. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. You, you, you've been blessed with unbelievable personal skills, and you're taking it, man. Can you call my wife and uh, <laughs> just let her know uh, how awesome I am? Yeah. I appreciate that. No, thanks, dude. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I go back to uh, how our relationship birthed out of the camps mm -hmm. and us spending time and, and recruiting right. trails, but camps and then and just getting able to connect in ways. that That's what it really accentuates what this mm -hmm. fraternity is all about. Can you talk about what being part of the ABCA means to you, this walking of – uh, through the path of brotherhood and, and, and mm -hmm. the conversations. What's that mean to you? I think we're all in this together. I yeah. think it's really neat. We're no all doubt. just trying to help each other. We're trying to basically, I look at it as, I don't want to change this. I got into coaching to, you know, help, you know, I'm in college level, so right. 18 to 22 year old grow up. Right. Not only, you know, on the field, but off the field. And yeah. I feel like I've got brothers 
in you know in this room yep. at this whole convention that have the same goals, <laughs> and it's it's really neat. Um, and it's been a great experience for me. No doubt. Um, this is uh, I, I try to make it every year. You and yep. I have talked yep. about this, and no I think doubt. I'm going to from here on out. Awesome. Uh, I am hooked. But uh, I think it's just really good. We need to keep growing the yes. game, yes. and everybody's doing a great job of it. Yep. And uh, I'm bought into as well, and, and uh, this has been a, a blast for me in the it. last 24 hours just to be back here, seeing everybody, listening to guys speak, sure. um, seeing old friends, go, you know, going through here as well. So, and, and just hearing just the positive uh, nature that college baseball's in. I love it. There's two guys in these chairs. There's only one of them that was a, a major league baseball player. There's only one of them that was mentioned in Moneyball. Um, oh, you, <laughs> you knew that, huh? Come on, man. Yeah. The bio, the research department that I oh, have yeah. behind me, yeah. they don't let me. They don't let me jump out yeah. there and get and yeah. get lost. Uh, but what I love about it is, man, your perspective uh, when I met you coming into your opportunity at Purdue University, yeah. and um, I go to this man breaking into coaching again, coming out of playing, mm-hmm. breaking into coaching, and you've got to flip the script and you probably teach what you know. And mm-hmm. how do you look at that first few years of coaching compared to where you are now? Now you've obviously shifted into the head coaching role. I'll come back to that in a minute, but I'm just talking about breaking into coaching yeah. and your growth in that space. How, how would you categorize those? I think you grow in anything you're, you're doing with experience, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing stays the same, and that's relationship. There you go. And um, you've always been great at that, man. And I, I really believe, even as a head coach, and I was talking to another head coach, a fellow head coach, last night about this. But you know, a lot of times when you're assistant assistant coach to go into a head coach, you lose that relationship and player. And I I wanted to make sure I, I, I keep that as a head coach. Coach, and yep. it's been it's been an awesome ride for me because it, not only you know you guys as a coach you see guys go on and play professionally but you also see guys get jobs as striker school teachers sure and and it's just so rewarding um and and all when it's all said and done baseball comes to an end right 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 and the only thing and i noticed this when baseball came to an end they kicked me out of baseball <laughs> playing wise right sure. um but when it came to an end all, i i drew to my relationships that i had the coaches wow. i played for um, the players that I had in the locker room, um, I, you know, the, the, the times that I had in the locker room and as a player yeah. were the best times of my life, wow. other than having my two kids and, right, and no getting doubt. married, if my wife's watching no this. So. <laughs> but well, hopefully, hopefully she is, hopefully mine was yeah. earlier, uh, week, week. Yeah. I, I just go back to that because I think you, you – I got that so, right away. And I think coaches that are, uh, you know, obviously extroverted. I wouldn't say anyone's ever called us introverted people. Yeah. Um, but, but more just relationship-driven, and uh, those things mean the most to you. Um, how fulfilling is that for you? Like, honestly, at the end of the day, you're, I, you guys have done such a fantastic job since you got to Kent, and, and obviously uh, Coach Strickland built a great platform yes. for you to work from. Um, but how fulfilling is it to have those deep, meaningful relationships with your players, past the wins and losses, the regional appearances, relationships how fulfilling it's, is it's it? everything it Gosh. really is um and like I, like i said earlier when baseball comes to an end that's all you have left no doubt. and i i feel good because you know i love it when a, an ex-player calls me yeah and, and asks me for advice or just even wants to talk it's awesome, awesome. and uh and vice versa sure um one thing that I, I try to do uh, over the holidays is I try to send a text to every one of the players that I've ever coached. Oh my and goodness! It, and it, I think it's and I think it's really neat, and it's like my present. You know, I feel wow. like, hey, in this world now, everybody, um, we've got to make sure that we're we're in to give, 
you know, and as wow. a coach, we've got to give. Um, as people, we need to give more. Sure. Um, and and I, I want to make sure that those guys get that message as well. Mm. Um, and, uh, it, you know, one of, the, one of the best things I ever heard, even as a player, the more you could put into your teammates, the better you will be. Yes, yes. You know, and, and it really did. It didn't click. Uh, Brett Butler told me that in, in professional baseball. Wow. I was struggling at the time um, in pro ball. And, and, uh, and, and sometimes you don't know it. Sometimes you get selfish, right? And, and um, it, it made me really realize that uh, I'm going to put some energy in my teammates and uh, I'm going to play to win and be a winner. And, and it, was a, it was a really good um, learning experience for me uh, to take forward into coaching and a, a life experience. I could teach my kids that as well. So, but to give, not 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 necessarily. Yeah, we're going to take, yeah, right? But yep. uh, it's a you're in a lot better uh, attitude. The, you know, life's about attitude. You're yep. not, you're going to have a better attitude when you're giving. So through servant leadership, he taught you servant leadership. Yep. Gosh, that is. Oh, and I, I, I'll never forget it. And he's he was very influential uh, for me and and a lot of other guys as well. And even being around a guy like yourself, you know, honestly. Um, you, you know, it just is contagious, and I, and I like it. it's 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 good. It's good for the game, you know what you're doing right now, and um, it, it's uh, coaching's the same way. That's you awesome. know that. No, no doubt. So I, I want to go into this, man, because it's uh, from the outside perspective. I, I, I love to watch your team play. When when I see those games, yeah. they come up on the TV for me, and I get a chance to watch you all play yeah. and watch you go into regionals. I want to go into this. I want you to pull back the curtain. That's a mm -hmm. term we use on our podcast a lot, but it's more of take me into your locker room. Take me into your team meetings. Take me into, uh, Dunk, when you're up in front of that team and you're really trying to move the culture down the line, what yeah. are the things that are really out in the forefront? Um, <clears throat> well, we talk about three things, for one. Yeah. Uh, one is uh, let's, let's do a better job removing mental clutter. There you go. Um, so one of the first things we do when we, we head into the locker room is we get rid of the cell phone. And we put it, we're going to put it in a box here, especially in the spring. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and do simple better. I love um, it. Which, which is part of removing mental clutter. Sure. Process over result. Okay. Chopping wood if we're going to be ch chopping a tree. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, when we chop a tree, we, we, we put our head down and we start chopping. And we just keep going. That's we it. just keep going. So, uh, you know, I think one of the big things is, is making sure, especially with this generation kid, um, they want to be very, very successful. Sure. Um, and sometimes they don't know how to be successful. Right. And they want the result right away. Yeah. And all good things, right? That's it. No doubt. It's a, it's a process. Yeah. So, um, so process over result, um, remove mental clutter. And then unity over self. Wow. Those are, you know, uh, playing for each other. Yes. Just what I was just telling you yes. about what Brett Butler told me. So yeah. those three things we talk about every day in the locker room. Um, you know, all the baseball stuff, obviously, uh, is, uh, is what we do. But yep. uh, I think uh, we're really big on culture. Mm. Um, we're really big on grit. Okay. Never quit. Yep. Um, but uh, those three things, both on and off the field, we're talking about on a daily basis. How, do they, how does that show up on the field? If, if I were to sit mm -hmm. back and watch in the stands and, and go, uh, you know, again, I'm looking for these things now, how would they show up? How do you see them? Um, I, think, I think they show up with attitude. I think you see it in body language right away. Yeah. Um, I think you can see somebody that's really excited to be there. Um, yep. when, you have, when you're around a good culture, I think you see people that are very excited to be there. Sure. You see ownership. No doubt. 
the players have ownership, and, and when you have ownership, there's life in your body. Right? Mm, yeah, so no doubt. That, at least that's what I'd like to think. But. Well, there's, there's life in the third base coaching box. I know that. Uh, I'm in the dugout now. <laughs> I know, but Derek Simmons man. good night. He still looks like he could play tomorrow. Oh, he, he does, uh, and, and uh, he's showing us all up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, He's in that weight room. But, uh, though he's, uh, he's, he's very contagious, uh, great yeah. personality. Absolutely. And uh, when, when he's been a great addition for us last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. And when we added him, I, th I think there was a, a change immediately just as far as uh, just the attitude ins inside that locker room. It was awesome. Well, he's a rising star as yes, an assistant he is. coach. I feel like you're a rising star as a head coach, Dunk. I think you're just doing fantastic things there. I'm a Golden Flashes fan. I mean, I'm just going to say it openly and honestly. I I I'm cheering for you, man. Thanks, Jeremy. No doubt. Anytime, yeah. brother. Yeah. Go Flashes. No doubt. <laughs> Enjoy your time in Dallas, Dunk. Thank Thanks you. for jumping on Really good us. to see you, man. Pleasure's all mine. Yeah. Thanks, the best. Bud. Okay, thank you. thank you. Laura Heisey from Augsburg College, thanks for joining us. I'm so excited to be here. How about this? You nervous at all? Um, maybe a little. <laughs> maybe a little. <laughs> well, I know that anything you'd be transparent. We, we could talk for about sure. it and get through it. For sure. What's awesome is, Laura, it, it, it is. It's awesome to see you here. You're a person that I got to know through social media last year, mm -hmm. and it was uh, really the introduction, watching the introduction of the ABCA into your coaching career. Right. Like I'm telling you, that that is a, a cool <laughs> dynamic from where I sit. Awesome. Just take us through this, man. Th this is year two for you. Yeah. Year yeah. one, how were you? Year one was, I mean, jaw on the floor. Yes. I couldn't believe um, the amount of people here. Yep the amount of information that was out there. I mean, just the whole experience was just unbelievable. Um, awesome. but, so knowing that, I knew that I couldn't miss another one. I so, love it. Lo <laughs> it put was, it on a t-shirt right now. Right. Yep. Got to do it. Yes. Got to come back. <laughs> here's here's the beauty of it when you really think about it. You've been to two conventions and we set records at both these. I mean. You have to come every year. I mean, I don't know. It's probably not a coincidence, but I mean. <laughs> you brought the heat with you. But I don't want to let anybody down. Oh, so. <laughs> no, 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 no. So year two, I'm, I'm guessing if, if you're sitting at home, Laura, are you thinking differently about the event? Are you planning differently? Did you Did you approach this one with a much different mindset or game plan walking into it? For sure. So year one, I didn't really know what to expect. So I just wanted to soak in all the information. It was like, you get up, you go to the, you know, the clinics, right. and then you go to bed, and right. then you do it all over again. So it was, it was a little bit of an information overload for me Sure. Um, year one. But going into this year, there was a couple things that I for sure wanted to do, you yep. know, a couple people I wanted to talk to, yep. um, knowing that the clinic videos were going to be available right. and the expo theater videos were super yeah, helpful. Yeah. I mean, that was huge. Yeah. Uh, so knowing that there wasn't that time crunch, that I had to get to everything. Yep. Like if I wanted to sit and talk to, you know, someone who came up and asked me, oh, a softball coach, why are you here? I totally right. could do it without no feeling like I'm missing anything, you know, speaker-wise. So, Are you getting some of that? Are you getting some conversation? Yeah, just today we were out here waiting for the, um, the trade show to open. I was just standing there and someone came over to me. He's like, well, was there a softball convention? I was like, absolutely. I was at that. Right. He's like, well, is there softball stuff going on here? I go, no, this is baseball. <laughs> He's like, oh, and I get a lot of that. Connect it's really, dots. it's really fun to you know explain to people that you know there's there's definitely a parallel between softball and baseball. Go into that. Please. You know, there's yep. everybody asks like, what's the difference between softball and baseball? And I'm right. like, well, nothing aside from the size of the ball, the size of the field. That's you know, right. a few like mechanical things, but the 
the similarities far outweigh the differences That's when right. you compare the two sports. So it's like, well, why wouldn't I come and add to my knowledge base, right. you know, at the baseball convention? Because if I'm only going to softball, I mean, that's great. I love my softball roots. Right. I love, you know, everybody that's there connecting with the softball coaches. But, you know, if, if we're talking 6,500 coaches, that just opens up my network that's right. by that many. So it's like, why wouldn't I come to this? Oh. Why wouldn't I want to experience it and talk to all these guys and, you know, answer those questions like, why baseball I love if you're it. a softball person? So it's like, it's basically a no-brainer for no, me at this point. So. <laughs> I love it. Take our guys, especially the, the folks that are out here listening and uh, you being our second softball coach on the podcast, mm-hmm. give, like we do on our show, give us the history, give us the career path that brought you to here today. Sure. Um, so my first coaching position was right out of college. I coached okay. with my coach that I had in college, Jen Walter, up at St. Scholastica. Yep. Coached with her for Shout a year. Shout out, Jen. We miss hey, you. Hey, Jen. You're missing out big time. Get here to get to Nashville. <laughs> yep. um, so coached with her for a year. Um, you know, it was you know, it's it's an interesting transition going from player to coach, oh, especially yeah. with people that you played with. So oh, yeah. there's definitely a learning curve there. Um, you know, I'm from Minneapolis, so I moved back home, coached at, well, I actually coached at Augsburg once before, oh, wow. before this stop. Yeah, so okay. just, you know, part-time stipend, you know, yep. got to have there. that full-time job. Sure. So coached at a couple different spots there and ended up actually coaching for four years at a, a high school. Um, in the Twin Cities at Wyzetta High School. Gotcha. Four years there. Um, and then an opportunity came up for me to coach Division Two at Concordia St. Paul. Yep. Um, so I jumped on that chance. You know, you think D2. I've never coached D2 right, before. Right. So that was really exciting to me, you know. And spent two years um, really kind of, like I emailed you, I was kind yep. of at this coaching crossroads. Yep. You know, where I could have stuck with what I knew, you yep. know, the softball world and everything like that. Or I could have, you know, maybe stepped outside my comfort zone a little bit because I was literally sitting on my couch one summer, two summers ago, and I came across the hashtag ABCA chat, and I was like, what is. Is, what is this? Like, I had no idea. So I clicked on it, and I was reading through all the, the posts and stuff. I'm like, well, shoot, I, I could talk about That's this. That's it. No you doubt. know, so I was like, okay, so I made a note, you know, two weeks after that chat. Yeah. It's like, okay, I have two choices. I could either do it or not, you know, because, you know, for me... I think if, if I'm going to do what I've always done, yep. I'm going to get what I've always gotten. Okay. Mm. Say it again for the people <laughs> in the back. I love so it. So if, if I'm doing what I've always done, right. I'm going to get what I've always gotten. So it's like, not that that's bad. Right. Okay. Because I've had a lot of, you know, good things happen in softball with yep. coaching and playing and stuff. But it's like, if, I, if, I, if I'm going to evolve, if I'm going to ask my players to step outside their comfort right. zone. I have to do that myself. That's right. So how can I expect them to do it if I'm not willing to do that? Mm. So, <laughs> so, and it's on something as, su- as simple as Twitter. That's right. You know what I That's mean? That's right. It's, it, but it's honestly, like, there's no, there wasn't any sort of, like, risk for me. Like, yeah. it was very low risk. It's but, interesting way of putting it. But the reward was, like, I mean, astronomical. Mm. Because it's Gosh. like, if, if someone doesn't respond to me on a, fr- from a tweet, like, who cares? I don't right. even know who that person is. Right. But that didn't happen. Like, I got responses, I got, I got positive feedback, yep. I got questions, and I was like, whoa, okay, so I'm going to just keep doing it and keep engaging with these guys and, awesome. you know, putting it out there and, you know, if this is what we do, yep. You, yep. Can, you can be like, oh, yeah, awesome, or not even read it. That's, that's, that was kind of my approach to things, and it's just kind of snowballed, and, and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you certainly are one of our most loyal ABCA chatters, and it's a... Uh, you know, I always I look at I look at that softball community as one that um, we we need to bring that 
uh, dynamic between the softball group, the baseball group, and just keep blending it and mm -hmm. keep smoothing it over and keep just just like Murph has done here for the last thirty years. For sure, you know, and I think he's been a guy. You would ask him just like he came on our podcast and said, yeah, he answers those questions all the time. Well, mm -hmm. man, you're the softball coach, right. and, and, and so again, I think we we are all in the same uh, community of learners, and mm -hmm. I'm certainly you exhibit that uh, tenfold of trying to, as you mentioned, get to a place of. A little bit of uncomfortability. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a little uh, a place that it's a safe place of uh, challenging thought, which again, we'll get the same results if we keep doing what we always done. Right. But there's a lot of coaches that are having great success. But I, you know, where I go back to in the conversations we have here on the floor are, but can it be a little bit better? Because you haven't won ten national championships in a row. Right. So I know you're winning forty games or right. you know going to regionals, <laughs> but like it can be dialed up. And I think there's. Um, you know, I think every coach that's come up here and even talked with one last night, Laura, that that we're, hey, what do you want to go into on on the uh, podcast mm -hmm. stage? And I said, well, I think one thing that keeps coming up is that they are in a state of challenging themselves around technology. That word's been brought up in every. For sure. You know, that, it, <laughs> yeah. so, but we're all in that state. That's yep. my point. I think from mm -hmm. the softball and baseball end, it all blends because we're all adapting to this new uh, language of analytics, this mm -hmm. new era of data and technology, and um, how, is, how has your transition been inside that specifically? Well, I mean, we just got done listening to Justin Stone up right. on the expo stage. He did a free seminar at our softball coaches clinic oh, okay. off-site. So it's like you have Justin saying the same thing at softball right. as he did baseball. Same so it's presentations. Just, it, it, well, I mean, with the few, sure. we didn't have the, <laughs> I mean, not the size of the right, stage, but right. I mean, it was essentially the same message. I mean, and technology is so, it's it's only going to add to what you're doing with your program. Right. But you have to find, there's there's a fine line because you can get really deep into technology and want to add everything and add everything. Right. You just kind of have to know your players and know your squad and yep. what's going to work best for you. So it's like finding that fine line as far as, okay, what do I want to implement? Yep. What is it going to be? And how am I going to use it? to best suit my players. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm at right now as far as, you know, figuring out what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's so much stuff out there, but, you know, still in the, you know, early phases yeah, of yeah. finding out <laughs> that side. We're, we're dipping toes, but now it's a foot, and we're, we're getting there. Yeah, and it's all trial and error. I mean, that's yep. you can't be afraid to fail. That's right. With that kind of stuff, and that's especially, right. I mean, this game is, it's a game of failure. No doubt. All around, no you doubt. know, on the field, off the field, whatever, but it's how Gosh. you, you know, use that to make yourself better. Well, I'm going to nominate you as uh, for president of the Lifelong Learning Club, um, and here's why. And if for anybody watching this or anybody that's uh, listening to this and you pay attention to social media, uh, your marker board in your office and the notes that you take and the colors and the pens and the it, I can't I can't tell you enough that uh, in, in in full again honesty is just. There's almost nothing more motivating for me when I'm behind that podcast mic is there's people that are listening with that intent that they are literally categorizing topics mm -hmm. and they're taking notes and they can't and they're writing quotes and they're 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 really blocking off time in their office to manage this information. Laura, I'm telling you, it's that, that's why you're an easy choice to jump up here because again, you're 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 going to win president of this. Man. Oh my I'm, gosh, we'll put you up. It's awesome, but. Have you always had that? Is that something that's always been kind of at the core of your motivation? Um, I would say in the past couple of years, um, I've really kind of explored that a little more. Okay. Knowing that the information is out there, um, just wanting to learn everything I can, and like right. I said, how I could best use it for my players. Yep. Um, but yeah, the podcasts have been great. I've 
I mean, I listen all the time. I know you do. You know, I take I know those notes, you know. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, but it's only, like I said, it's, uh, I mean, why not? It's like, it's, you know, not coming to ABCA, not listening to those podcasts, not interacting with coaches. It's like, right. if I weren't to do that, it's like I'm leaving a million dollars on the table. Like, why wouldn't I want to take that? That <laughs> you <know>? quote will <laughs> show up in the uh, podcast <laughs> intro. That's money in the bank. That is a certified audio gold moment right there, Laura. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, I love it. Um, you know, that, that uncomfortability, I love that word. And um, do you catch yourself, no matter what the conversation is, whether it's a hitting conversation or a uh, infield or outfield or catching uh, podcast that we're doing, do you catch yourself listening? Because I do as, as a host. Like when I'm talking with Jason Ochar, when I'm talking with Jeff Albert, when I'm talking with Tom Griffin, yeah. whoever it is, they say things that I just go, oh, like th- that, that hurts because I didn't coach that way. I didn't think that way. Do you catch yourself oh, in those I, moments? Yeah. Yes, all the time. How do, how do you respond? <laughs> and it, I mean, it's all a learning process, you know. Right. Knowing that, you know, if if I was teaching something at the time, mm-hmm. it was probably what was the standard yes, or the norm. No doubt. So it's just you know thinking about those and maybe not wanting to let that happen. Yeah. And being more proactive in the learning and yep. being on the forefront of all the information out there instead of doing what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Kind of like I said, being proactive and seeking out that information so you could you know, best coach your players. Sure. So, sure. I mean, there's definitely been moments where it's like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I taught yeah, it yeah. that way. That's <laughs> so bad. <laughs> that is, that's the journey, though, isn't it? It is. It totally is. And it's all it's all a part of, you know, you know, coaching and learning and that's right. all that. So, I mean, Gosh. just kind of got, you just got to take the punches, man. <laughs> that's it. Um, so, what do you got, what, what are you looking most forward to the rest of this convention? Uh, well... Kai and Tuck's infield presentation tomorrow morning. I'm Front super, row, I expect you um, to be there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited, too, for the hot stoves. Those are always fun. Yeah. Um, I know the infield one, I think Kai said it's going to be more interactive. Yes. More small group oh, we've stuff. we've got bases. We've got baseballs. We've Let's got go. All of it. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Should have my glove. What was I thinking? <laughs> no doubt. You go buy one right here in the I, trade I, show. I could go right over here. You know, and um, I'm excited to hear Clay Cox, his yes. infield talk in the Expo Theater. I know yes. he's... He's an infield guy, and I've I've always liked him. I've actually used or stolen a bunch of his stuff <laughs> to go. use for, with my we team, and it's I mean, it, it, it's been great. So um, I don't know, and then just looking forward to meet more people. And if anybody wants to talk baseball slash softball, <laughs> I'm it. always game. You know, <laughs> so just trying to get that checklist. Oh done. yeah, how good? How are you going um, so well, far? I'm, got two done okay. I mean check number one up with, with the yeah. bro hug no I mean no hello <laughs> so <laughs> crush the podcast add that add that, that wasn't that I, I gotta add that to the list oh, that, that was it. an unexpected addition to my list Ugh. so well we, we missed Jen Coxie's here Yolanda's here there's a there's mm-hmm. a host of softball coaches yep. that are here but more than that like you and I've talked before uh-huh. you're, you're part of this fraternity in so many ways yeah. and so from where yeah. we sit, we appreciate who you are, what you are for this association. <laughs> Perfect. Keep grinding, keep learning, Thank keep you. being who you are, and let us know how we can help. But thanks Thank for jumping you. on with us. Awesome. I'm proud to be part of this fraternity. So anything I can do to help. <laughs>What's happening around here with ABCA and, and just the expansion and so many things happening with the organization and just incredible uh, ex- exhibits and yep. just finished listening to Mike Matheny and what a great guy to listen to. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's what resonates with me when I come to the clinic. What what do I want from it? And honestly, if I if 
if it can confirm what we do sure. and I like what we do, we'll hang on to that. Maybe a new way of saying uh, the same thing. Sure. Or you might find one or two things that changes uh, a kid's learning. Yeah. And yep. um, that's really what I go for. And just in the, the handful of guys that I've listened to, I've picked up something from every one of them. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. And I think Mike's so right. If you quit learning, you might as well, you're dead. Uh, we got to stay on, uh, we got to continue to evolve with our players. Yeah. The game is at its best right now, and yep. so we got to continue to evolve. And we have to coordinate uh, our personalities and creativity with the new technology and the way our players learn. And so, oh, wow. Um, that's really what resonates with me here at the clinic. It's outstanding. You know, this is an easy conversation just because, uh, more than that, because you just got off the main stage. So it gives yeah. us a chance to go back to, you know, your presentation yesterday. And um, can you just open that up in terms of what were your mission, what was your goal of that of that talk? Well, I think first to understand that we are teaching a different uh, player these days. Right. And it, they're really smart. Um, Incredibly. They're very, they're very uh, smart, but they're very motivated. They sure. want to be great. Yeah. And uh, at Texas, we have uh, so many expectations, so we embrace that piece of it. But our true message was, all right, we've been doing strength conditioning, and right. we've been doing off-season, and kind of the same drill for years. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's much more about getting it a little more organized for the players yeah. and more structured because that's the environment that they've grown up in. Right. So we've now taken um, our first phase of our building phase of our strength conditioning. Instead of just telling our players, hey, we got strength conditioning today, now we're in this phase of build. All right, what are mm. we building? And and then that really resonates with them. And it's a shorter period. It's sure. four weeks. Now we want to carry that over to the next one. So that's what we've done with our phases. We've continued to do the same thing, yep. but now we've just labeled it more. I love and it. And then uh, what we do with our Texas missions is just something that kind of fell in our lap when we just started doing some research yep. year year to year about our own teams yep. and what made some differences. And so then we started getting a little deeper into it. Sure. And over the past seven years or so, we looked at some of the numbers and go, all right, this needs to be a priority. Yep. Because when we do these things well, we tend to win the game. Yep. But with that, it's also about educating, yep. engaging, and having those kids to – I mean, it's literally in our hall, in and out of the clubhouse. Sure. Every single day did you execute this area. Mm. And if it's their area and they did, they build off of it. If yeah. they didn't, then we have to take a step back and go, all right, we have to improve. And so we just use it as a part of our teaching. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, it, it's so awesome when I get a chance to, to hang out with you because, uh, and I told you this when we got done airing it, when we had our podcast episode – it was uh, at that moment, and I, I, I believe in the plan. I believe in timing is everything. Your message, our conversation, I feel like we were on the phone for two and a half hours wrapping, and we only got to throw out an hour and a half to our coaches. But um, your conversation challenged me. I think it was um, a wealth of, of your perspective and me trying to just learn through your experience uh, and where you've landed in this whole coaching thing. Um, and I just asked Schloss, I think i got to ask you the same thing, just for young cats that are out here watching this is, when you go back to that young David Pierce that first broke into coaching and spend some time there, as a, get back in the mind of your 22, 23, 24-year-old mind, when you track that journey in baseball, what are the things that, that you're probably your most proud of that you, you, you moved from? Well, first of all, I'm glad I got into it because okay. originally I was not a baseball coach. Yep. Uh, I went in the business world as soon as I got married for yep. three years, and that was a great motivator for me because I knew I didn't want to be in the business world. Sure. So it made it easy when I had those tough days 
of questioning whether I was making enough money right. or questioning do I really want to teach history uh, or be in the classroom. Sure. All for just this one piece of coaching baseball and really moving away from it being about me much more of understanding that love it it's about the players yes and i'm just another resource for them and so you mature of how you how you send the message yeah um it was a lot less uh dictatorship now and much more involvement of everyone yeah and as a 25 year old head coach um you know i did a lot of things wrong uh, we did well but uh, I didn't like the way I presented some things. Yeah. And so I've just learned how to communicate with our team a little bit better. Yeah. And really understand how to communicate and help our coaches. Because I know when I went to Sam Houston State, it yeah. was my first Division One job. So when I went in there, I'm 46, no, I was 47 years old. Okay. So I felt like I knew what to do and I'm in control of this. And I felt comfortable with it, but I had to take a step back of, I'm not a position coach anymore. Right. And I'm not one-on-one -on -one in the cages. Now I have to manage. Right. And so how am I going to also manage the coaches to be a resource for them where I can mm. help them and get out of their way? Because sure. if I can get out of their way and they're great coaches, then they get better ownership. They take uh, a lot of pride in being great. No doubt. And so everybody wins. And, and mostly the players. Yeah. And so it's just been awesome to kind of look at, hey, I'm, I'm the guy in charge of this. This is how we're doing everything to really being a little more open-minded. Sure. Um, and understanding just it, it's really not about me right. at all. Gosh. Like we talked about on the show, you just kind of walked into that spider web a little bit, is that, you know, the loyalty of your staff. Your staff's been around for a number of years together. Don't you think that – or would you point to – that that loyalty may stem from the fact that you let those dudes coach? I think so. I mean, I, it, it's it's interesting how we started together. When I went to Sam, um, Sean played for me at Houston as a senior. He was in Florida. Yep. We brought him back. Yep. Uh, Philip, I've, I've known Philip for years, and he steps in. And, and their roles were right as well. Sure. I mean, infield, offensive guys, outfield, catcher. Philip, Philip didn't catch. Right. He, he was an infielder, but he's an incredible uh, teacher, and he's a Gosh. grinder. And so you take their personalities, and, and then we add Phil Haig. Yep. And Phil used to, and I said this on the podcast, I mean, literally used to follow me, and I was he was my day-to-day, -day and he, yep. he did all the grunt work, I guess. He didn't know how to tamp a mound, but he learned <laughs> that too. Of course uh, he did. But then it, it – the roles have reversed a little bit. Yeah. And so it's great to see him grow and kind of be in charge of the pitching now. Sure. At 29 years old. Sure. But still have a resource from me and, and from Sean and from Philip. So I just think our ages, uh, the way we coordinate together has yeah. created this. And I also said this on the podcast is that I never want to hold them back either. Right. 100%. Um, they're in a great spot yep. in their careers. They're in a great location at the University of Texas. But – I don't want to hold them back either, no doubt. And, and I think that they've sensed that. Um, but it's just a really good marriage with our, our staff right now. Gosh, I love that. Yeah, you made a great point on our podcast when, when and one of the quote images ended up being that, you know, you were being cognizant of the players and the fact that everything is earned. And uh, I think as we're the timing of this episode and we're, you know, talking January, we're just wrapping up convention, high school seasons, really tryouts kick up in February. We start playing mid-February. Small colleges get rolling. 
uh, players that have earned positions and earned that. Um, and I loved your point was that that kid goes 0 for 8. I have to be aware that he did earn that position. And I've got to be, I think, uh, and probably more to why your players resonate with you and are loyal to you as well is that um, they know that you've got their back. And there's a, there's a level of trust there, right? Uh, absolutely. And, yep. and I learned as a, as a player that for me to be my best, I needed to be able to if – I, if I earn the right to be the starter, right. then allow me to start. Earn and, the right to fail. And, and so you've allowed me to start. Yep. So give me that opportunity to go play. No doubt. Because I earned it from the day we got on campus. And now opening day starts and, and I'm the starter. Um, give me the opportunity if I start slowly that I still should have the opportunity to, to fail. Right. And so, so that's awesome. kind of how we've looked at it. And it's somewhat of a pro model, too. Yeah, it um, is. And now going into this time of the year, you got some new hitters. Um, some new arms, so we got to figure out how their roles really fit in. Sure, and that takes some time, and we got a tough non-conference schedule. Yep. So we'll see how we do. I love it. I love it. Well, best of luck this year, Coach Pearson. Just again, men like you inside our association is awesome. Congratulations on jumping on the main stage. I know great feedback from our coaches. We wish you the best of luck. Great sheets. Uh, I appreciate ha you having me. I appreciate uh, everything about the association, and you're doing a tremendous job to just continue to promote, um, Thank you. you know, promote us, but pr promote our programs, but just promoting the game of baseball, and we appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right. Okay, last interview on Thursday of our convention. Came by just in the nick of time. Paul Blanchard, head coach, Southwest Minnesota State. Blanche, thanks for jumping on with us. Thank you very much for having me in here. Excited to have you. Uh, a guy that... I had the opportunity to compete against, uh, shoot, man, seven years ago and was really taken back by uh, your spirit, man. It's one that's contagious. It's, it's, uh, it's positive. It's upbeat. And then the more I've gotten to know you, I love being around you, Blanche. This is fun. It's, it's been great getting to know you. It's, it's awesome. awesome. It's awesome. And here's the cool part, man. You're really entrenched in the growth of the ABCA. And, mm -hmm. and I know you're, you're talking about your spirit, but it's, it's the – passion that you have to grow young coaches again what we're talking about is our rookie coaches mentoring right. meeting that's been something you spearheaded a few years ago you want to talk about that a little well, bit we, we started it we started it five years ago uh, we had 29 guys i think we're maybe getting to get over 300 this year which yes. would be great and it's uh it's I, I have a passion for for helping the young guys get started in the game and stuff because i'd run across a, a bunch of guys that are younger guys that were really good baseball people really good guys and they would try it for a year or two, and they get frustrated and quit. Hmm. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, you know, we got to keep you guys in the game. That's right. We got to, we need good young coaches to do this. And you know, I watched these guys operate, and there was a lot of it. I don't know if they know how to do it. They know kind of what to do at times and stuff, but I don't think they know how to survive this and how to get better and, and do some of that stuff. Hmm. I don't know if they were mentored up. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll take a run at this and, and see if. We can do some things and give some guys at least a few ideas right. about how to get better doing this and how to survive in this. And uh, so far, it's gone pretty well, and, and, and it's going to expand to other stuff and, and all that. And it, but it's just been great to see some of those young guys, and they give us some, some feedback on what they, what they like, what they learned, all this stuff. And I don't have all the answers. Right. I've just been doing this a long time. Right. And I have... You know what not to do. <laughs> I know what not to do, so it, it, it's, uh, we can avoid some of those roadblocks for some of those guys and... and it's it's been fun listening to some of the feedback. You know, right. I didn't think of it this way, or I never thought about that. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's that's kind of what it's about for us. Is to, <laughs> awesome. to kind of help you help steer you in the right direction. 
in whatever level you want to achieve and all that stuff, that's up to, up to them. But uh, just helping them with the, 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 the study of our profession. That's it. Oh, my gosh. You know. You've been the perfect guy for it. I mean, uh, what I love about it is baseball was rampant in your household. Mm -hmm. Obviously, your dad playing for the Yankees. Yep. And, yep. Uh, but you playing football and baseball, you chose the baseball path. Right. Um, what I love about where does that where does that passion for mentoring come from? Have you always kind of had that, or is that mm -hmm. something you worked yourself into? It's funny. I look I look back on it when I was 12 years old, <clears throat> younger brother, six years younger, and so these guys are six years old. They got some buddies of his in the neighborhood, and I kind of organized a little league for them to play in in our backyard. <laughs> of course and, you and, did. And I'm going, you know, I'm look you look back on that, and I'm like, why? Well, maybe I, maybe that was what I my my destiny or whatever. Sure. I just, I, you do that when you're 12, you know, and you want to play on your own. And you're wired it. differently. I, I just, I must have been, and, and it's, uh, you know, growing up in that family and, and all that with dad and the whole thing, you just, baseball was a big part of us yeah. and all that. And I just happened to be a guy that enjoyed more of the coaching aspect. I certainly wasn't a good enough player, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I figured maybe I could stay in it by, by doing a coaching part of it. So. Okay. And then obviously that's birthed into Mm -hmm. You being a mentor for so many, mm -hmm. not just the co the coaches that are going to show up tonight at our rookie coaches mm -hmm. meeting, but I mean you're a mentor to so many. I, I, what I love about uh, meeting so many different coaches and having conversations is names get dropped. Right. There you, you go through their resume, and uh, Brad Stromdahl is a great example of that we're we're meeting, we're getting to know each other, and he says, "Yeah, I did this, I did that. I coached here, I coached there. I was at Southwest Minnesota State," and you're like. The more Blanche, I'm telling you, <laughs> it seems like I run into five people you coach with every two weeks. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. Your coaching tree and building that network of mm -hmm. of mentorees, how fulfilling is that? Well, for you? It, the older you get, the more the more that that becomes satisfying. And what that's you're right. Doing. So it's more rewarding than just about anything. I think it's we're in the 20s. At, I, I think now with guys that have coached with us, yep. uh, some have played for us that are that are out, and at least, if they're not making a living doing it, they're they're supplementing their they're living doing it right and uh so it's fun to go out and watch and and uh hopefully you touch their life a little bit and you kind of help mentor them up a little bit about what works and what doesn't and uh how you get better and how you can do some of that stuff that's and, it and uh I, again i don't have all the answers but i i pay attention a lot to good instructors good coaches not necessarily a guy with the highest winning percentage but just good and structures. Yep. If, if there's one thing that all of these guys, these young guys that we work with can hang their head on is, or what they should be concerned about is, can I instruct this game? Mm. Whatever side of the ball you're on doesn't matter. Yeah. Are you any good? Can you increase your demand? Can you increase your, increase your value hmm. to a school or to a, to a team or whatever? If you can instruct and you do that well, you're going to be sought out. Yeah. That team, that school doesn't want you to leave. Yeah. Yeah, and more opportunities are coming. And more opportunities are coming because people talk and all that stuff, and this guy's good, and this guy's, you know, he's he's getting this done, and coaches know. You go against another team, I know who works with who on the other side. Right. And if I see, you know, maybe they have average players, and all of a sudden this guy makes them above average. Mm -hmm. They're not going to make them great. That's a talent issue perhaps, but they they improve the they improve the, the way those kids play yeah. because of their ability to instruct the game. Mm. And that's that's the biggest thing, you know. Like tonight's meeting and stuff like that. That's gonna a lot of be what a lot of it's about. Right. Is how do you do this? Not what you're doing. Yep. You and I are gonna argue X's and O's. That's fine. It doesn't yep. really matter to me. If it, if you can teach it, it works for you. Who am I to say you're wrong? Right. But I'm more concerned about how are you doing that? How yep. do you get what you know into that kid so he can perform? 
I love it. That's the gist of it. That's the bottom line. That's it. You know, I remember I'm, I'm flashing back to the conversation we had. I was at St. Joe's. You were mm -hmm. obviously where you're at. Mm -hmm. We're getting ready to play. And I, I remember us having a – myself, you, Rick Odette, we're having a great conversation. Mm -hmm. And I felt the transparency right there. That's obviously who you are. Getting to know you and becoming a friend, the transparency is still there. Mm -hmm. And so I know this question's almost right in your wheelhouse. I want you to go back to probably some points that you'll make tonight in the meeting with these young cats. But the – you know, maybe two or three pitfalls, mistakes you made as a young coach. They're like, gosh, I can't believe I did that, but thank goodness I learned from it and I moved forward and, and got better at it. What are some of those young coach mistakes you made? Well, it, it, some of it is that, that a young coach a lot of times is going to think that they have the answers. Yeah. This is the way they do it. This is the way I learned it. So, by God, you're, you're going to do it this way. Right. And there's some resistance there. And all of a sudden, you as a young coach think, well, he's, he's no good. He's no good, coach. Let's get somebody else in there because he's no good. He won't listen. And if you can get beyond that barrier and identify the fact that the kids don't know what they don't know, yep. you have to make them understand why your way is more efficient mm. than what they've been doing. Mm -hmm. You're going to make some progress. You can't pass. You can't clear that hurdle. It's not right. going to work. Right. They have to know why they're doing stuff. Mm. And you also have to be smart enough to know when you were good as a coach and when you were bad. Right. If you can look in the mirror and say, you know what, I suck today. I was bad. <laughs> I was bad. The, you know, the kids weren't on task the right way. I didn't teach this up. There was a confusion going on, stuff like that. You have to be able to identify that. Because then if you can do that, you can also know when you've made progress and done well. Wow. But if you just go about it and you don't know, you're not aware enough yep. that this didn't make any sense to this kid, that's a problem. Wow. That's a problem. Yeah. So, I mean... There's times where I, you know, I, I would work with, with somebody or whatever, and it didn't quite work out. And after a while, I'm like, you know what? I can't blame the kid. Yeah. I can't blame the kid. That's on me. Not That's on me. I didn't make any progress. And I re understand the, the, the talent end of things. Maybe he's not quite as talented. Right. I, you have to know that, too. You, you can't ask a kid to do something he's physically not capable of doing. Right. But you can, you can work with that part. If you can make little gains and stuff, uh, that's mm. kind of what it's about. And I think – being aware of that, and that's over the course of time. I don't know if there's any one incident that that right. that, that, that that came about, but uh, that's the gist of a lot of it. And uh, you know, if there's some other stuff that that has gone on, I guess maybe I'm just one of those guys that that accepts it more. That you know what, it's my fault. I'm all. Yep. I'm you know, the buck stops here. I'm the, I'm the guy. It's I'm responsible for what what goes on here, and I need to do better. And you need to learn from your mistakes and and this and that so it's um it's a work in progress blanche <laughs> I, I just don't i don't think that mentality approach understand awareness mm -hmm. is prevalent in a lot of young coaches no it's it's i'm guilty as charged i mean well, we both are you but. know and it, it's again they don't know what they don't know yeah and you have to have an effective way to get that through to them yeah and i'll speak about a lot of that tonight yet but uh not being aware is part of the deal. And I'll point stuff out to some of the young coaches that, that are there. I'll, I'll compare against other teams, mm -hmm. see what this kid is doing. This is what he could be doing better. Right. With his talent level, this is what he could be doing better. You know, he can uh, – little stuff all the time you go around the field. Or if there's some guy that does something really well, I'll, I'll point out, you know, why he does this really well? It's because of this. Right. It's because of this. And, you know, an example I can, I can use is, is uh, I'm a Yankee and stuff. Okay, if you don't. So Derek Jeter's, Derek Jeter's my guy. Right? Sure. 
So you can watch him. Everybody's seen him make a slow roller play. Yeah. And he gets it between his feet. He, does, he goes through and he makes the play, and everything looks pretty smooth, pretty easy. And so I had a guy tell me one time, well, he's just talented. And I go, really? Okay. If that's your thinking and you don't want to mess with somebody and try and teach a kid how to do that, you're, you're obviously not going to make any progress. Sure. But what I would do with a guy like Jeter and what I think more guys need to look at is take him from head to toe. Yep. What is he doing? Physically, what is he doing? He's got he's talented, yeah, but he's got to be making a play somehow. That's right. How's he moving his feet? How's he moving his hands? Where does he pick it up? What angle does he release it at? Is he leaned over or whatever? Now, we can't throw it 85 miles an hour across a diamond like him. Right. But we could throw it 72, sure. 75. Sure. Using the same the same uh, approach with it. And then over here, build arm strength. Yes. That applause. Yes. yes. Yeah. You can do all that. So it's, it's, it's the stuff that they're – it's the stuff that the guy is performing well. Mm. You want to slow that down and pick it apart. Wow. And, and go from there and see if you can take away from those good performers. And don't reinvent the wheel. Do the same thing. Right. You know, but progress with them and, and try and get it done that way. And it's uh, that's something I would point out to young guys. That's it. Well, it, it, to me, it would be obvious for anyone listening to this, anyone listening to it right here, the transition for you being – uh, transformational, again, using two terms pretty much everybody's familiar with, transactional versus transformational. When you think about being you being transformational with young coaches, mm -hmm. it, it, it's obviously easy to think that you're transformational with your players. Mm -hmm. Was that always there? Do you have a place? And the reason I ask that is throughout our show, throughout conversations with coaches, uh, myself guilty as charged again, is as a young coach, you're trying to build your career, you're trying to build your stock, mm -hmm. you're trying to build your knowledge. Mm -hmm. But but with doing that, at times we lean towards being in essence transactional with the players. That we treat them like a meat market. We move, move a new mm -hmm. kid in. If you can't get it done for me, give me somebody else. Right. As opposed right. to truly coaching for relationships. So, right. all that being said, it was there. Is that a piece that you've always had in place, or is that something that you've had to even grow into that regard with the players? In relationships well the, the the most fun i think in our job at least at least my experience and stuff has been the relationship you have with the players yeah and uh we have a job because of those kids they're not there because of us act accordingly right, right? i mean that's right. just how it is right and getting to know them and see them grow over the course of four years is is, is a fun fun part of it yeah and that's that's the part that i enjoy the most and you're doing that with your interaction of them on a daily basis about how to perform certain skills, certain drills, all that, yep. and, and going through all that. And when you see them do well, that makes you feel pretty good. Fulfillment's in that. Fulfillment is, is fulfillment's in that, and you're, yep. you're thinking, you know what? I helped, I helped make this kid better. I helped make this kid feel better about himself. Mm. And then he, you know, he has a better experience with what's going on. If they do screw up, they're not trying to screw up. They just do. And, yep. and you know, you go through that part, but uh, uh, the relationships with them is, is a big thing. I've, I'm a middle child, so right. I've always been the guy that puts out fires on both ends and does a lot of that stuff. And sure. so I've got some of that in there. My mom is, is one of the greatest readers of people I've ever met in my life. Uh, I think because of who she was married to, you know, yep. she was always concerned about who was dealing with that and stuff like yep. that. And so I think I've been able to, to from that, I, I, you learn a little bit more about uh, – how people are and, and, and what they're doing, and <clears throat> getting those relationships with, with the players is, is a lot of fun. The you know 
where we're at and, and how many guys are going to go to the major leagues and all that stuff, it's not going to happen. Right. But, uh, you know, as far as uh, developing him to the best of the ability that they have and all that and seeing that and hopefully the kids can get the most out of his ability, you can't yeah. ask for more than that. That's it. And you have to know that that's part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I get a little concerned about, you know, some of the higher levels that, that uh, if he's not good enough, let's ship him out and get somebody else in. Yep. Right? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know what? You saw something in that kid to begin with. That's why right. he's at your place. How about develop the guy? That's right. How about develop the guy? You know, and if you know what you're doing, you can accomplish that. Yep. And you don't have to worry about shuffling guys in and shuffling guys out and being transactional, like you said, yep. and all that. You can, you can accomplish it. And so that's, that's where that's at. So good. <laughs> all right, I'm going to leave you with this because we've asked every coach this, and I think it's uh, we got to be cognizant that a lot of convention goers who are here now, they're going to listen to the show. Mm -hmm. but there's also going to be a lot of guys that couldn't make it to Dallas, mm -hmm. and we're trying to get them, hey, man, you're missing out on something here. you got to get to Nashville. What's your call to action for those guys? This is this is the largest amateur baseball convention in the world. Uh, six, what do we have? Six thousand? How many? Six six? We are six. we are closing in on. Uh, we could end up around sixty five hundred. Okay, let's hope. I mean, you th think about that. And all baseball people coming in here. Yeah. Are, are you kidding me? How much fun is this? Right. You walk in the vendors and you're walking around going, "I wish I had about ten million bucks. I'd buy all of it." You know, <laughs> sure. and it's for all the first year guys. They get it's like a kid in a candy store. That's right. You know, they're just, oh my gosh, uh, it's unbelievable. But the relationships you can develop here, you hang out with people, you you all have the same concerns and the same. It's just different versions of every guy you talk yep. to. And so it's nice to have this kind of support group, and you hear the latest and greatest. The game won't pass you by if you come to this uh, on a regular basis. You listen to everybody, uh, the hot stove stuff, the, the, the all the speakers and all. You hang out in a lobby, you learn stuff. Right. In restaurants and all that. I mean, you can learn stuff. you got to come in here and... You're all on the same page. You're all baseball coaches. There's no cold calling going on right, down here. I right. mean, you're all in this. And then you guys are going nuts, increasing the membership and doing all this, and it just gets bigger and better and better every year. And there's something here for everybody, and I really think guys are missing out if they don't come to ABCA. Get to Nashville. Yeah, get to Nashville. <laughs> Save your pennies now, man. That's it. Save your pennies. Keep this thing rolling downhill. I'm going to welcome in the head coach at Southern University and also the chair of our brand new diversity and baseball committee, Carrick Jackson. Carrick, thanks for jumping on with us. Appreciate it, Chief. Appreciate you for having me. No doubt. I'm excited to have a little conversation with you here. We got a lot we want to get to. I'm going to start here, man. ABCA conventions. Again, you've been a lot over the years. Actually, one of the first times we ever met was when you're at Missouri yep. at an ABCA convention. We met at a restaurant. Uh, and uh, from that point forward, I've always kind of tracked where you've gone, where you've been. But I mean, being here in Dallas, our biggest convention ever, how's it been for you so far? It's been really good. I was able to bring a couple of my assistant coaches with me that have never been before sure. and, and kind of relayed uh, my first experience uh, at Nebraska yep. uh, back in 98 uh, when our head coach had been fired, uh, yep. Coach Mike Anderson. It was just Coach Anderson and I and our secretary, Renee Brinkman, on staff. Mm. Uh, and he said to me, I was a volunteer at the time, he's like, hey, let's go out to the convention. Uh, and he took me out there, uh, and I remember sitting in a room with uh, Coach Petroff yeah. uh, and some other guys, Legend. and just my head was on a swivel and, and just listening to what everybody's saying and trying to write it all down. And, <laughs> sure. um, and so every year I, I look forward to coming back and being able to learn something new, meet different people, uh, and have different experiences. So it's, it's, sure. uh, it's been a pleasure. 
God, it's awesome. Go back to that. Uh, I love, uh, I don't know why, I get wrapped up in the first convention experience because I think there's so many young guys that are out here, and we, and we have, certainly have a lot to listen to the show. Um, and, and for those guys sometimes, and I just told a story a couple minutes ago, just they, they, they come intimidated. Yes. And I get it. I Trust me. We both understand that feeling. But they come in, and to us now, we've been, you know, how many years? Oh, shoot. Uh, I'm over 20. Good night. I'm, I'm here at 14, and I'm just going, intimidated by what? It's the same dude, man. Just walk right up to him. But do you, can you go back and have remember those feelings? I, I do. Uh, you know, I think for me, uh, because of the way that I was raised, uh, I was always comfortable in my own skin. Okay. Uh, and but when you get in the room, yeah, that's when it really sets no in. Doubt. And and so uh, and with my grandparents, because uh, they raised me, I was at an early age. When you're in a room with adults. Keep your mouth closed and listen. Know your role. And, and so, yep. so it was that was what it was for me. And then yep. once you get out here and you start walking around, and like I said, with Coach Anderson, he introduced me to a lot of people Absolutely. and started to get that first time experience. And um, and I've always thrived off learning opportunities. Right. Uh, and so that's again, that's what this is for me. And so that first experience, it was just a learning opportunity. How much can I take in? Uh, and that's kind of when you really get that coaching itch because you sure. start to see man, all these guys out here doing all these different things um, and and being able to have those opportunities was phenomenal. Have you always had that, that, that kind of um – that inner drive, that inner passion to, 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 like, challenge yourself and keep growing and keep learning? You've always had that? Always. Really? Always. I, I think that I'm a firm believer that uh, if, if I ever feel like I get in a position where I know everything, I need to quit. Whatever it is that I'm doing, being a husband, being a father, being a coach, mm. uh, being a brother, yep. um, you know, a son, any of those types of things, uh, it, it's always about uh, that that learning opportunity, that sure. challenging yourself, that growth opportunity. And so being able to put yourself in positions yep. um, where you may be a little bit uncomfortable, but knowing what's on the other side of that and knowing there's growth right. on the other side. So it's yeah. so the old, uh, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. You <laughs> exactly. Know? I love that. Exactly. I love that a lot. Um, uh, let, let's open this, go right into it, man. Again, we had a great opportunity today, Carrick, to, to open up the brand new diversity and baseball committee. And uh, what I love about it is that it is a, passionate group of folks that are just excited about the fact that from the associational end we want to get involved we want to help but it was more of the people in the room and uh, you and I did, I thought I mean bringing together the opportunity to have Major League Baseball in the room across several different fronts to have Dusty Baker stop by and hang out Troy Hawkins come by and, and hang out with us but uh, college coaches youth coaches high school coaches travel coaches organizations that are all have this passion to uh, not walk away from Teddy Cahill from Baseball America. Yes. We're not going to walk away from that issue. We're not going to act like it's not there. We all know that it's there, but it's more about how can all of our voices come together as one, which, again, charging you with that. But <laughs> how can we all come together and, and, and really try to evoke some change? So, again, let's just start here. How do you think the meeting went today? Again, first, right out of the cannon, man, how do you think it went? Well, I think I think it went well. Uh, I also think that, obviously, as I've stated before, and I'll tell you again, you guys as ABCA should be commended for the idea of starting this thing and getting it going, knowing that it's been a national conversation, yeah. but now with the power and numbers that you have and the influence that you have sure. of the coaches that you're going to touch, now making it real yeah. and, and, and bringing it to everyone's attention. And so yeah. it's not the side conversation in the hallway here and the side conversation over no, here or over dinner. It. Now it's real. Yeah. Um, and so I think that bringing all those guys together, uh, allowing them to voice uh, their thoughts and opinions. Sure. Uh, and there was a wide variety of them as you yep. were in the room yep. and heard. Yep. Uh, but I think when you whittle it all down, there is a common theme there. And mm -hmm. so it's going to be a matter of how do we 
find that common theme, stay yep. consistent with that common theme, and then as a result of that, branch off into doing some things and handling some other things that will all fall underneath that umbrella. Uh, and I think we're on the right path to being able to do that. Open that up just a little bit because I think it, it is it will help our listeners as they – and this has garnered so much interest as, as you and I both have had those – requests of phone calls and texts and messages and and it's been outstanding it's good to know there's a lot of people out there that want to be part of the solution but what is your overall vision as chair of where this thing can go and how, and how do you see the information flow working within this group you know i i think that um because of the people that are involved i think we can have a, a very positive uh impact uh that will kind of resonate nationwide sure. uh, and maybe even expand outside of that uh, yep. to be honest with you uh, but for me I'd like to see we talk about the idea of rejuvenating the base game of baseball in uh, the minority communities and the underrepresented uh, communities yep. um, and so I think with what we're the direction that we're headed and the things that we talked about in that room I think that'll be the start yes um, can we provide better coaching to those kids at the younger levels That's right. uh, and in turn in providing better coaching to those kids at the younger levels you'll have more kids that are participating in the game because right. they understand the game and have a knowledge base for that game mm -hmm. uh, at a younger age that will in turn produce better college players that will That's in right. turn produce better coaches that will in turn produce more coaching opportunities yeah. uh, all kinds of things uh, and so I think that um, to not put a uh, put handcuffs on it, if you will, or, yeah. or put a ceiling above it. That's right. I, I think it can go wherever we want to take it, um, and and, I, and that's the part that is really, really exciting yeah. to me. Um, because again, if we stay focused on what it is that we're trying to do, and more importantly, who it is that we're trying to serve, right? There shouldn't be any misconception in that. No doubt. Well, that's, I think we were just talking before we got recording. We both had a couple of uh, goosebump moments in there, and it's it, it's pretty neat to think that. This was a historical moment, not only for the association, but more than that, much bigger than that, is, is all of our communities and how we're all going to work together to grow this thing. Um, you know, I think, uh, and I want to tee this up for it because I, I, I was there with you and, and looking across as, you know, Tony Regans and uh, Tyrone Brooks and Dale Matthews and those representatives from Major League Baseball and, and them expressing where they stand and where they sit and where they view things and how much they are truly on board and the initiatives they have behind it that show their body of work, but then, again, bringing that group to their initiatives. But more than that, I think this is where you and I both caught a pretty cool moment was that they want to help in any way possible. Yes. Like their, their vision from top down, we all know that as the flagship organization of our, of our sport, uh, to look and hear from Major League Baseball and say, hey, we're all in, we know the numbers, and, and not only more than that, we want to jump on and help out in any way. How did that moment hit you when, when Tony said that? I, I thought it was pretty, it was pretty impactful um, and to, to understand because when you look at them, they, they have the – they represent the shield. They hold all the cards. They, they hold the cards. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's, there's kids out there that are playing the game that say they want to go to college, but yeah. at the end of the day, That's we weird. all want to be no big leaguers. I still do. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so I think that the fact that they have that uh, initiative and drive um, and, two, I think – being able to get ownership on board with no that, um, to get them to understand what that will mean if they commit some of those dollars to growing the game here in the States organically, no uh, it, it will turn into 
more attendance. It will turn into more dedicated fans. It will, there will be allegiances no uh, to those teams outside of just I'm from St. Louis, I'm a Cardinal fan, you know, those types of things. It will be bigger than that. Sure. Um, and so I think that's where uh, their involvement in this thing can help us go uh, a long way. Well, we chose the right chair, so you're the right man for the job. Uh, <laughs> I also appreciate it. You know you got our full support, and we're excited to see that thing grow. Um, I do want to go into this. Obviously, we got a chance to uh, bring you on the Barnstormers Clinics Tour, jumped on the tour bus with us as we touched down at Tulane University. Um, you came over from Baton Rouge, and so had a couple players, did the, the outfield workout. And I think it's just great, man, because, again, watching your career path and the places that you've been, the perspective that you bring, and uh, you touched on a little bit in our meeting, you know, taking a, an HBCU position and almost feeling that charge of, man, there's a little more something behind this now because it hits, you know, deep deep in your core and, and your players, man, and spending time with them and talking and how great they were and watching them work out. Um, tell me a little bit more about Southern University, the baseball program, what your vision is for where this thing can go. No, for sure. I think it, it adds to the grand scope of what we're talking about. No doubt. Um, is to be able to get myself in a position where I'm at an HBCU. Uh, I'm able to coach uh, young black players uh, that, that have the ability to play the game, but maybe the baseball IQ isn't as high. Maybe the sure. skill level isn't right where it needs to be. But being able to bring some things to them that – once they get that understanding of how to play the game the right way and the yeah. little the little intricacies of the game, what their place in it can be. No doubt. Um, and so for me, the the grand uh, the grand finale, just like anybody else, is Omaha. Um, when, no when we had our press, when I had my press conference, that's I came to Southern University to take them to Omaha. Great time, um, by the way, in your press conference. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> that. Appreciate that. Um, and and the idea of people saying, well, you know, it's great for that you say that, yeah. but I mean it. Um, I'm, I'm putting in too much time and effort. Um, I believe that we can go out and recruit the right players. I believe that we can develop the right players mm. uh, for the first time, probably in the history of the program. I had our SID put regionals super regionals omaha on the schedule love it. Um, because if you're not thinking about it if it's not in your face then it's not reality uh, it's not reality yep. the number of kids that when i first met with a team the first question i asked them is do you know where omaha nebraska is mm. and they didn't mm. um and so just being able to get their minds in that place because again and not for me but just for the historical aspect of when we become that first HBCU to win a regional, no doubt, it's game changing. When we become that first HBCU to win the super regional and go to Omaha, it's game changing. No and doubt. so then now, those kids that when they see that, just like the impact was on everybody when that Jackie Robinson team was in the Little League World Series, right. now it has a resounding aspect on it. And to be able to again grow that um, is something I'm really, really excited about. Gosh, so awesome, man. <laughs> I just, again, I'm, I'm, I love being around you, man, because you, 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 you challenge me. I think that's what's cool about our convention and, more importantly, the people inside of it is you get around guys that are, that are growth mindset, that have real vision, real passion, real energy. Uh, it's contagious, man, and, and it feeds on you, and you're like, dude, i got to get on that level. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. even, uh, you know, three days into this thing and running on fumes, it's like, man, you're still bringing it. And yeah. So again, I think that's I think that says a lot about our fraternity and, and, and in our brotherhood, man. As we all uh, are feeding off each other's passion, 
while we're here on site. You feel that? Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. I, I think, like you said, it's you, you get running. I've been going since this morning. Yeah. Phone calls and long and, day. And, and so to far. be honest with you, I haven't even eaten yet today. Yep. And, and, you and me both. And, and as big as I am, I don't need to skip meals. <laughs> you but, and me both. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's you have your moments of frustration, but then you come back to the crux of what it is that you're doing, and it's you instantly get energized and. Yep. And, and get that second win, and you, and you keep going. No um, doubt. So, so, yeah, no, it's uh, there's nothing better. Nothing Gosh, better. Love it. And we're going to have an infield conversation with one of the new infield coordinators from the Minnesota Twins, Billy Boyer. Billy, thanks for jumping on with oh, us. I appreciate you having me. Thank well, you. It's been a while since we've been on the podcast and talked infield play. It has. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably been, yeah, maybe a year, year and a half. Maybe? Yeah, closing on a year and a half probably. Yeah, yeah let's <laughs> Let's go into this, man. Uh, and again, the transition from you uh, coming from Washington, going to Seattle, you. Um, I, I watched your, uh, if you had a great presence before, you amped it up, a lot of videos. Let's go back to, to that little segment of being at Seattle, you, and really taking advantage of the social media opportunity to, to throw out some good infield ideas, throw out some drills you're doing at practice. Go into that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, at, at Coming from Washington or maybe some other areas that we had more space, going to Seattle U, we were really limited in our space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we found, you know, guys like Kai and Tucker and some of those other infield guys are throwing out really great media. And I right. was able to kind of jump on that train a little bit and, and uh, find creative ways to enhance our infield play. Um, and I kind of got really into some juggling stuff that I really like and yep. some, you know, we've always talked a lot about um, catch and transfer being a really important piece of our play and, um, I actually saw this on Twitter from an iHand coach um, mm-hmm. Twitter uh, thing that they put out, and there's some goaltending stuff from hockey, and I started oh, wow. seeing this stuff, and I'm like, man, this is really cool stuff, and I think this really translates into our infield play, and um, so we started doing it daily, and our guys loved it, and uh, I've even, over the last couple of weeks, done it with some other pro guys, and yep. we're using lacrosse balls, and I just posted one the other day of Levi Jordan as an infielder with the Cubs. I actually got a chance to coach at the University of Washington, and yep. and uh, he's got four balls going, and it's just it's mind-blowing at how good these guys are and, and how much they enjoy that skill um, and the challenge behind it. So it's been really fun to be able to put that stuff out there, and yep. I know that not everybody can do it, but I have I should post a video of how we started that, two balls. Right. And he couldn't even do it. Right, right, right. And, you know, seven or eight, ten days later, he's up to four balls, and he's starting at 25 feet, and he's up to 10 feet, and he's going four balls, and it's nuts, and it's, it's really cool to kind of – You know, when I see stuff like that, if I think it's cool, I'm going to post it and right. put it out there and share it, and, and maybe, you know, it inspires a coach to, to try to do something. And she had a coach – approached me just last night and um, was talking about some tennis ball stuff that they, they've implemented. And I was like, man, that's great. Like, just, I love that. Like, wow. that's, that's a really cool piece that, um, you know, like, it's just sharing the information. And, and sure. then, oh, how'd you add to it? And he's like, and then we did this. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Like, it's that's something, you. yeah, now, now that's something that we can add or Gosh. we could try. And um, so really cool. Like, I mean, the social media thing is just expanded, I think, it's all of our worlds. Level, yeah, it's, it's just forced us to be more creative to keep up or you see ideas that you can add to or Mm -hmm. I really like that but I only like this piece or whatever and um, it's been really cool like it's a really cool piece of coaching right now I love it go into your you mentioned like almost the players response to it and how exciting it got for them to see themselves progress through yeah I think uh, I think at first it's they're like you want me to do what right right right. that seems kind of kind of weird but but then then they start to do it and they're like man this is way harder than I think and and then they start seeing some 
some correlations between what we're doing and maybe just a, a juggling drill and, sure. and move it onto the field. And, and, you know, when we, from my standpoint, I put a really high emphasis on catch and transfer. I think that's a really, really important key piece to our infield play. And mm-hmm. there's no really other way to train it other than right. catch and transfer. Right. So let's, let's, let's get creative with lacrosse balls and tennis balls and racquetballs and, um, Sometimes it's weighted baseballs or sometimes it's wiffle balls, and yep. they all create different fills. And, um, you know, when you add that environment to a training glove environment, like it, it, it forces them to target catch and, mm-hmm. and fill the transfers, and every transfer is different. We go big ball, small ball, and right. you start changing the environment once they start getting used to it. And then they kind of get jacked up about it. That's right. Like it's, it's, you know, like when I went to Levi, for instance, just a couple weeks ago, and we started doing it, he's like, come on, man, like, I'm not doing that. And, and I'm like, just try it. Right. And he couldn't even do it. You know, wow. and it was like, a, it was a real challenge, challenge for him. And, for him, and, then, sure. and now I walked in the other day and he was in there a half hour before I got there and, and he was already done. And I walked in, I literally walked in behind him and took the video. Didn't even know I was there. And I'm like, this awesome. is incredible. Right. Gosh, this is great. Awesome. You know, so there's, they, they start to get more of a, they challenge themselves to, to kind of think outside the box of, sure. you know, and I, I mean, I don't know if it's relevant. I don't know. Like, I mean, but I think at the end of the day, if, if they feel like it is, right. and they feel like they're advancing because of it, then it's relevant. That's what matters. Right. So, I mean. Wow. Go, go into this transition. I mean, you're talking about uh, your career in baseball and, and getting into professional baseball, playing for six seasons, I believe. Yeah. Six seasons, then jumping into junior college baseball. You're trying to finish your degree. You're back with University <laughs> of Washington. You got the, the, the pro experience as a player, the junior college experience, the Division One experience, and now crossing over with Minnesota Twins. I just talked to the front office. You've been voted second best beard in the <laughs> Twins organization. Yeah. Tanner Swanson gets that official claim. Okay. Um, but transitioning into the Twins organization, um, in your own mind, again, coming just months ago from coaching Seattle U, how how has your mind shifted as to okay now that I'm back in that professional space here's where I want to go with it how's that how's well, I think that's been the most challenging piece uh, is so. is kind of the you know not the last you know six or eight weeks I haven't done much um, right and it's really forced my mind to to work um, I'm I'm so used to being kind of in the hustle this time of the year sure. of, of just making sure that we're ready for the season um, no matter where I was at at junior college or the division one level you're you're kind of always in the hustle and now I've, I've really had a chance to kind of step back mm-hmm. um, and and really analyze what matters right right what drills matter and that's why I've really enjoyed getting together with um, a couple of pro guys local pro guys that I was lucky enough to um, coach in college so I have a previous relationship with them right but what I love about it is just having this conversation out there is is their willingness to challenge me back. There it is. Which, oh. which it, it gets me going. Like that's, that's we, we're having a conversation on, we're doing some double play feeds and we're working, one guy really liked kind of a backhand power feed, the other guy liked the under, and I'm like, okay, well, let's talk more about mm-hmm. um, double play depth. And I walk out and we're talking, it turned into like a 45-minute conversation <laughs> of just like, well, what about this? And, right. you know, so you're, you're kind of, it's really forced my mind to work. Um, the one thing I, I will say is not having started the position yet. Um, right. I haven't gone to spring yet, so I, I, I'm yep. a little bit um, – I will say the one thing I'm nervous about is just the unknown. Yeah. Right? It's like it. I'm not really sure. Like uh, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. You know, I mean, it's so – I think from a baseball standpoint of just to teach, I, I have no concerns. Like I, right. I feel very confident in my ability to, to teach players and, and to make them better infielders. The thing that I'm nervous about is just – I don't really know, right. like, what the schedule's like. And, like, right. that, that, that part is – so it's real. I mean, my mind has really been racing hmm. over the last, well, I mean, six or seven weeks, honestly, right. of just kind of 
and, and being able it's nice having those pro guys, pro guys at home because you can kind of bounce stuff off them and say, sure. what do you think about this? I'm, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed getting – at Seattle U, I did a ton of machine work. Right. Um, right. Do the pro guys enjoy that? Mm-hmm. Is it something that they would try to do every day? Mm-hmm. Um, we did it a lot at SU just because of space, you know, it's more confined. Sure. And, um, but is it relevant? You know, obviously fungal work matters, but is it relevant to have a machine off to the side and work 10 or 15 reps on your knees and then go take your 10 or 12 or 15 reps, you know? Um, I had a chance to listen to Darren Finster um, speak a little bit earlier, Mm -hmm. and I kind of wanted to ask him, like, what are your thoughts on machine work? You know, he had a great drill set that they went through and rolling and stuff, and um, similar stuff to what we do, but I like the machines because it's it's more controlled. It's it's something that we can really focus in on one skill set at Mm -hmm. a time and then move into the full set fungo stuff or, wow. you know, if we're working, if a guy struggles with a glove presentation or, or some kind of a catch or whatever, why not have something on the side just to be able to touch on it just real right. quick and, and get that feel back and, um, you know, so, yeah, I have lots of ideas. You do. Yeah, <laughs> and my mind do. is cr- going crazy. <laughs> it's, just, it's just how do we implement it. Um, I think the biggest thing um, that my goal going into this is to really just you know, be the coach that I am and not try to change who I am. And, and just, I still believe in the things that are important to me. And I want to be able to relay that message to our guys and, and hopefully grow from them too. And and be able to, um, I've, I've, I've had the luxury of reaching out to uh, not, not all of our guys yet, but I'm in the process of reaching out Mm -hmm. to all the twins infielders and just really just having conversations like, Hey, what, what are the things that you really enjoy in your training process? What are the things that you don't enjoy? And, and just trying to get a really good sense. Cause at the end of the day, it's about them. It is right. And, and, and making sure that we're putting, supplying the, the environment, the training environment to help them move forward. Sure. You know, and if you don't like doing it, then don't do it. Like we won't do it. Like we'll move on to something else. And um, that's one thing that I've really enjoyed too with the twins is it's just um, the kind of the growth mindset of, Hey, if it doesn't work, We'll, tr- we'll move on to something else or we'll try it here and we'll, you know, right. and it's, it's, it's been great. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Like to be able Gosh. to jump in and maybe try new things and, and, uh, um, you know, my biggest thing is just walking around this, this last couple of days and listening to some of the presentations or even going through the, um, the trade show here is I see all these really great gadgets for pitching and, right. And, uh, hitting and ground force math. And I'm like, well, how's like, I think infield's behind in that sense of, wow. Like yeah. how, watching a presentation on ground force mats of hitting and, and, and maybe pitching and stuff, but is that relevant to infield play? Right. I think it is. Right. Like, does it, does it maximize our first step if we're timing different? Like, I think there is, and I don't think there's any real data out there that I know of, and if there Not is, I'd, I'd love somebody to reach out to me, but that's, that's kind of the stuff that I'd like to really start kind of digging into. I think there's, mm. there's more to this than just, you know, footwork fundamentals and hand fundamentals. I think there's there's – there's science out there or there's analytics out there that or data or whatever you want to call it that sure. that can improve our play. And I'm really curious to find that. Like that's, that's the thing that's been driving me nuts. It's like, just, <laughs> I'm, I, I see a stat. I don't know what it means. Like right. it's, it's new to me. Right. And it's, right. um, that's, we've had this huge for me, like this so much more data that I can access now. And it's right. just like, that's what's, on it all the time <laughs> like okay what does that mean though right. like, what, where, what can i do with that how is that relevant um from the big league level down sure oh my gosh i want to scratch a personal itch for myself here because i think you know how big of a uh, uh of a fan i am of catch play and catch play routines that's just 
uh, I just think there's so much to be gained positionally if, if catchers have a specific idea of what they're trying to get done in that 20 minutes where my high school coach, your high school coach, a lot of coaches, that's just a time to go get loose sure. as opposed to a time to go get better. Um, take me through some ideas if I am a youth coach, a high school coach, a travel coach, a small college coach, any college coach, of just some ideas that they could – maybe approach their catch play routines a little bit differently sure. that you've seen, man, translate directly to the game. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a pretty controversial topic. It is, you know, It's yeah. like, do we long toss as infielders? Do we not long toss as infielders? Do we max them at 100 or 120 feet? In my opinion, when we get to the park, the first thing we do is we typically stretch our body. The one thing we don't focus on is our arms. So our catch play is really designed to get your arm going. That's right. right? I mean, so I think when you watch a lot of guys, they spend a lot of time maybe quick catching too early or, or doing things that are now involving the feet and we're not getting the arm loose. We're not lengthening muscles. We're not, we're not sure. conditioning that arm to, to last, right? We just immediately go into high-intensity throws or, or whatever. So I'm a big proponent of long toss. I think it's really important. I mean, it, it forces infielders to get athletic. It mm-hmm. forces them to make natural um, arm motions when they throw. And we, you know, I'd like to see guys arc it out high and hard as far as they can mm. and really condition that arm. And I think what happens a lot of time for infield coaches is they think, well, that's not how they throw in a game. <laughs> well, what you're doing by not allowing them to do that is you condition them to be robots. That's you it. know, when they long toss, it, it allows them to be athletic and, and their bodies pattern and move. And then when you come back in, when you bring your flight down, they get, they're more athletic and they will, they're more conditioned to get back in sync with right. what the throw is going to demand in the game. Right. Um, so uh, throw high and hard. There it is. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, I mean, it, it, infield catcher, pitcher, it's yep. outfield doesn't matter. Like they're, yep. they're good enough athletes to where they're going to resynchronize when they come back in and they're going to make right. the throws in games that they need to make. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and again, I think there's a lot of controversy around that. And sure. I, think it's, I think you're doing a disservice to your players if you cut them off at 100 or 120 feet. Sure. You know, sure. you're not allowing the, the full range of the, of the shoulder capsule to work. You're not working on – I mean, there's going to be times when a, a, a shortstop has to make a 225 or 250-foot cut relay throw. Cut and, down a run. <laughs> I mean, you've you got to do That's it. Right. you got to be able to make that throw. And if you never play catch at over 120 <coughs> feet, then, you know, are you really putting them in an environment to, to do that? I oh, love it. One of the infield mentors of my life, Brian Green, head coach of Mexico State, and uh, he'll be on here uh, this afternoon or tomorrow. And uh, when I had opportunity to work with Greeny at the University of Kentucky, um, I, I did I really didn't have a true a look back concept of what uh, how to maximize that time. And so what we were trying to do, and and uh, Tucker actually went into some of this uh, on the podcast recently of just and, and again it's relative to each individual and what what you feel like you want to approach that, that time with. But, man, he, we took a, a time of practice of 20 minutes. And, you know, whether it's starting squared up and just getting loose, whether it's working on our one-step or two-step or two-step or four-step, mm-hmm. depending on your terminology, uh, whether it was relay catches out to 90 feet, and then after that it's, re, you know, turns and, and, and tags at the bases. I mean, we, we put a plan in place, Billy, that was one that I would sit back and go, wow, all that transfers directly to the next thing we do, sure. taking ground balls, working on tags at the bases with the catchers, uh, relay throws from the outfield. Um, have you ever dabbled into some of that and brought that into some of yeah, your catch sure. plays? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. So we, we, we typically go high and hard on the way out, and then on the way back in we get more 
skill specific. Because we're moving right into the next phase. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So you're as you're coming back in, you're bringing your flight down, and, and again getting more pull down where you're working a cut relay or and the backside guys catching a, a, a catch and take. Um, I think one thing you know, I think it's hard to hit on all of them in a single day. Yeah, it is. I think so. It's I think it, unless you really expand the length that you play catch. Yeah. Um, so one thing that um, I've kind of picked up over the last maybe maybe the last year is kind of looking at what the team defense is that day okay. and putting an emphasis around that. So if it's cut relays, right now we're working oh, a pull down. If like we're that. if we're in a bunt defense, we might work more throwing slots. So if you don't ha- if you don't can't allow for 25 or 30 minutes of catch play, which all, that might take the time to hit all those those um, areas of catch. Um, you you shrink it down to maybe say 12 or 15 minutes, and you focus your catch play based around what maybe your team defense like is that, that day. Um, if you don't have a team defense and you're just in a um, individual defense, then maybe it's just working foot patterns um, and, and target throwing. Um, mm. And then as you come back in, maybe it's, you know, individual defense again and you're in double plays and again, target feeding and, and catch and transfer and, and footwork around that. So, um, so move it, moving away from a script. Yeah, moving away from a script, scripting it based on what maybe the skill set that you're going to, to do later in, in the day. Brings us back to adaptability. Right, exactly. Very I, mean, I mean, you might spend 15 or 20 minutes in pull downs, but maybe you did cut relays the day before, and we don't want to do pull downs. Maybe we need right. a, a little bit of a recovery day in point. the throw, and, and we're just going to work on uh, double play feeds and transfers. And mm. so we're going to maybe still stretch it out, but on the way back in, we, we lighten it down a little bit in, sure. that, in that sense and, and just focus on um, one skill. And, and really hammer on that yeah. a little bit more instead oh, of just it. trying to, you know, trying to do them all every day. Are you really maximizing versus just maybe one, one day, pull sure. downs, um, redirects, what, whatever you want to do. I mean, there's an infinite number of, of uh, combinations that you could do. I honestly. love it. Shifting gears here, I want to go into ABCA and this convention experience for you, man. You're, you're always a guy, and we, 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 we start texting months out, like, man, can't right. wait to see you. Right. But when you get here on site, you get here on campus, and you're walking around, and certainly the conversations and, and the, the full experience of being part of the Brotherhood fraternity, what's it mean to be part of this? I mean, I, I think for any coach that's not here, Billy, speak to that dude. Make him show up with, with us in Nashville. I, mean, I can honestly say I don't know if I am where I am today without the ABCA. Wow. I can honest, I, and I truly mean that. I mean, the opportunity to speak on in the expo stage a couple of years ago. I mean, I don't know who was in the seats that day. I mean, possibly someone from the Twins. It's very possible. Very, yeah. It's very possible that I am not in the seat I am today without that opportunity. Mm. Um, but if you're not, if you don't, if you can't get here, you got to find a way. I mean, yeah. you got to find a way to throw fifteen or twenty bucks in the piggy bank every month every, to, yeah, to get here. I yeah. mean, and. Um, the clinics are great. All the speakers are great. The theater um, or the, the clinics upstairs are great. And, but the best part is just walking around and yeah. running into people. And, and, and you can't even get back to your hotel room. You, know, like you leave <laughs> dinner at midnight and you don't get back to the hotel room until 2.30 because you're, right. you're in another conversation every 15 or 20 feet and you're talking about whatever it is. And back up at 6. It's, <laughs> and it's, yeah, back up at 6 and do it again. And that's you know, we don't come here to sleep. We come here to talk baseball and, right. and breathe it and, and be about it. And it's, I just love the fact that everybody's willing to share. There's no secrets here, that's which it. is, which is the best. I mean, that's, I mean, we're all here to learn and push ourselves to be better coaches and better people. And, and, uh, 
having those conversations out there is a huge part of that. So, if you, I mean, if you can't get here, you got to find a way. That's it. I, mean, well, I saw some guys driving like 14, 15 hours to sure. get here. Like, it's oh, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's, I mean, that's what it takes. I mean, that's, that's it. if you want to truly be a service to your players, that's, maybe that's what it takes is jumping in your truck with five, six guys and Make go, it happen. Man. Make it happen. Gosh. Well, first and foremost, just, just from where we sit, man. Congrats on the new position. I appreciate that. I know Thank you're you. going to crush it, and it's going to be awesome to watch you flourish in, 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 a, in an environment that, man, is probably really suited for you. Yeah, and your, I and appreciate your, that. And your concept of, of uh, and really uh, expertise on, in, on infield play, man, you're going to do a great job. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it, and I'm just eager to get started, no honestly. Doubt. I just, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not used to be sitting around so much, so I'm, I'm really eager to kind of get out there on the trenches and just get to work. Well, we've taken enough of your time. Go keep crushing the Dallas floor, my friend. You got it, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, Billy. Now, it is truly an honor to sit on the podcast stage with our ABCA second vice president, head coach at Hope College, Stu Fritz. Stu, thanks for sitting down with us. Absolutely. My pleasure, Sheets. It's awesome. Let's go through some stuff because, again, this is a, a different convention for you than it would have been in the past. As you've worked your way up as fourth VP, third vice president last year, this year as second VP, as most of our convention goers may or may not know, second VP is in charge of getting speakers for the main stage. That's correct. And so your convention is going to be a little bit different. You'll be up on the stage. You'll be introducing. Got to wear a suit the whole time. Tell me about it. Well, this is my 28th convention. And uh, coming in this year, it's totally different than it's ever been before. Yeah. And there's, uh, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a, just a ton of excitement. No doubt. And some nerves. A little bit. Um, a little bit of nerves. And, you know, I'd be remiss, Shitsy, if I didn't say I'm sitting right here looking out at uh, John Casey from <laughs> Tufts University. And uh, Case played a huge part with my involvement in, yes. the, in the ABCA. That's and awesome. Getting me involved in this organization. So I'd just like to publicly say thanks to him. How about that? Can, can I? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Now, can I publicly say that the reason that I'm probably sitting in this chair is because of a conversation that I had with you? Um, well, um, I'll never forget meeting you with the uh, with the top 96 events and listening to you and watching you, yep. and uh, had a chance to coach against you when you were at Spalding. Yep. And when this position came open, I said Jeremy Sheetinger, Sheets is the guy. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I'm glad to be here. It's pretty awesome how things come together. It, we we wouldn't have envisioned this sitting on that park in Florida. We wouldn't have seen this one coming. Absolutely not. And I remember the coaches panel that we did at Adrian College for a for an indoor um, top 96 event. We sure and, did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just awesome to be here. God. Okay. So I'm going to go to this because I think there's a, a ton of guys that have been here before like you. they got a lot of years under their belt, but there's also a lot of first-time convention goers. And that's been kind of the theme through social media is all these first-time goers, what to expect, we tried to prep them with the fact your brain's going to explode, but, but just embrace it and enjoy it. Can you go back to your first convention? Yeah, it was uh, 1992 in Dallas. I was a grad assistant at University of Northern Colorado. We drove from Colorado wow. to Dallas. We were at the Anatole uh, yep. Hotel here. And uh, I just be remember being in awe and not knowing. Uh, mm. y you try to do everything, and you try to meet as many people as you can, and you try to do as many things. Um, my advice, I guess, would be to slow down okay. and to to meet and greet, but to soak it all in. Yeah, you can't do everything. There's a there's <laughs> just a ton of things to do, um, but but establish relationships because you'll see the same people at this convention for years to come. That's it. What's the beauty of it is you can't do everything. It's the same way in coaching. 
you can't come back from your first convention and try to bring everything back in January. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Well, and you, and you try to put it in in the first week, and then you never go back to it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh-huh. Been there. Um, so over the course of, again, 28, 28 years. Gosh, when you think about 28 years inside the association, the conventions, what have been some of the key takeaways? I think it's something we talk about on the podcast a lot. What are you hearing that immediately affects you that you bring into your program? What are some of the key takeaways you point to? I think if you can get one or two or three things from the just vast uh, variety of speakers that we have, yeah. um, that's a key thing where you can get bring ideas back and put them into your program. But to, to me, outside of the baseball knowledge, it's absolutely been relationships. It's been yeah. people and uh, just people that make a difference in your life. Yep. And uh, you can bring that back to the kids and the importance of what that, what that means. Uh, but, but there's so many things, so many things. Mm-hmm. What happens in the lobby, what happens in the hot stove conversations, um, what happens in hotel rooms, yep. I think is as abundant, if not more, than some of the things that you're, when you're sitting in the front row trying to write things down during the con- clinic uh, sessions as well. Right. I <laughs> love it. Um, uh, I've kind of put uh, Sean Larkin was on you before. I put him on the spot. And I'm going to do the same thing to you. Um, but I think it's easy because I know you well enough to know you're a reader, you're a thinker, you do listen to podcasts. There's things that you do that um, allow you to somewhat challenge yourself in the moment to think differently, learn something new, in that, in that spirit of lifelong learning. Can you point to something that happened recently? I mean, dude, you've been coaching almost as long as I've been alive. Okay, let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. But there is it's always – It's a long time. It's a long time. But there's something that recently happened to you that you read, you listened to, you heard that you went, you know what, I could do that differently. Can you point to that? Yeah, I think there's a couple, actually. I, okay. was, I was just talking in the exhibit hall with a couple of guys about this very thing. You know, with, with all the analytics that are out there, that's out there right mm-hmm. now, the technology things, sometimes I look at myself and say, am I just being lazy? Oh, am wow. I being lazy with not incorporating some of these things? Because I read about them, I hear about them, I see how other people are using them. Yep. And actually, one of my, you know, one of the things I'm looking forward to the most maybe this weekend is our technology panel. Yes, yes. Just to have four guys get up there and talk about what they're doing. Um, but I, 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 I'm like, am I lazy? Am I not doing it the right way? And mm. If anything, this convention, I come down here, and it absolutely jacks me up yeah. uh, for my 26th season. I get excited. I get excited watching the young guys do it. And then I say, okay, am I doing enough to keep up with them? Yeah. Um, so there's motivating things for me that happen at this convention. And honestly, Sheetsy, I think when we lose that, it's probably time to be done. You're, you're probably close, it, yeah. It's, uh, there's just a lot of things that happen at this, and I think the timing of it is absolutely perfect for going back and getting our season started. Yep. Um, so that's that's what I worry about, or not worry about, but I think about all the stuff that's out there. How can I take it and use it to the best of my ability to for the betterment of my program? It's a good way of putting it. And I think, too, I think for any coach, they don't feel like, they shouldn't feel like they have to take everything and do everything. And I think that's tough. I know uh, we talk about it on the podcast and conversations we have at a barnstormers or even just conversations here is you know two years ago there's no way I would have been ready as a coach to talk about technology in my program it just seemed so far and distant from what I felt comfortable doing mm-hmm. but that's where the growth happens the uncomfortability that's where it's at and I yeah. think you got to keep up um, I, I really think you got to keep it up and that's where the uncomfortable part comes for yeah. guys like me that have been doing it long enough yeah. is to find find what's going to work for your program and I think one of the challenges for young guys is they're going to they're going to hear 20 20 some odd speakers or more than that right and 
they're going to hear all these things that work for different people. Find what's going to work for your program and know that you can't change everything yep. immediately. That's great advice. Okay, I was just telling uh, Laura, I think it's part of a question we'll ask to each guest, but when you think about, you know, there's so many people here, and, and, and goodness, we're going to set records again, but when you think about those that aren't here, and we're looking ahead to Nashville in 2020, great city for the ABCA, certainly it's going to be another great convention for us. If they're listening, what's your advice to them about Nashville next year? Convince them to show up. Well, I'm a diehard country music fan. <laughs> so that's, it's perfect. That's number yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think the venue... Um, Opperland yes. Hotel is one of the very best that we go to. Yep. However, this place is spectacular. Strong to quite strong, um, yeah. As, as well. But um, I just think that you're missing out on the camaraderie mm -hmm. um, that occurs in, in the lobbies, um, in the hotel rooms, in the convention hall, in the exhibit hall. And I just think you're missing out on the latest knowledge and, and the, the vast array of professionals that are out there and what they're bringing to our game. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Well, obviously, man, you did a fantastic job bringing the speakers together. I am rooting for you up there on the main stage. You know, Sheetsy, that I got two sets of steps to go up this year. <laughs> I saw and it. And I'm going to be honest with you, the steps aren't quite exact mm -hmm. height. Yeah. So that concerns me a little bit going into tomorrow. So I've got to have my game face on. Sending up a couple prayers for you. I, um, I need them. I'll take them. <laughs> I'll but, take them. But, man, what, what an awesome convention. It's already ramping up again to be one of our biggest ever. And uh, you had a huge hand and a huge piece in that. And certainly we look forward to, to catching up with you soon. Well, Sheetsy, I'd just also like to say thanks for, to, to you for the help that you gave me in lining up this great group. It's, it's a lot of guys that uh, have been on the podcast. So yep. if you're out there listening, you've heard some of these guys before and just excited to see what they'll bring to the table. No doubt. Thanks, Stu. Appreciate Thank, it. Thanks a lot, Sheetsy. <laughs>
were filled. Yeah, so the it gills. was good. It was, yeah, Thanks it was for the good. tweet. It was great. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're doing everything we can, but we just can't account for the amount of people that want to catch up with what you guys are doing. No, it was awesome. It was really good. It was good to have Robert, you know, Woodard, and Yeski, and Conger. Yeah. It was a great mix because you have – I think it's really easy to dismiss something like a Yeski or a Woodard does. Oh, sure. they have big D1 resources. And yep. it's like, and by having Conger there and like my story of starting up, you know, I've been, yep. in, I've been part time job since I was 14, full time employee since I was 16. I yep. grew up in inner city Cleveland. I think it was interesting to show like, hey, like Conger had no resources. I had none when I started, all right. self funded, no loans. Right. You know? And so, like, how do you build that up? So it was really cool. I mean, that's Gosh. what I'm passionate about. I would love to spend the next hour, and I think all these coaches would as well, and going through your story. Maybe that's a future episode, me and you. There can we do. go. Yeah. But I do want to get into this. Um, I think if you if you look from the outside and you're looking at driveline, and certainly you know what two words I'm getting ready to say, weighted baseballs, you're much, much more than that. Take this opportunity. Just open up all the expansive stuff you guys are doing at driveline. Yeah, this year we didn't bring a net. We didn't bring any training equipment. I think people know what we're about on that side, right. on the weighted baseball side. Um, you know, we brought a lot of our sports science equipment. So we're really pushing R&D. Uh, a couple of our employees will be you know, joining professional teams that haven't been announced. Uh, a lot of people that we've worked with are – joining as coaches. The pro right. side is changing so much. And so a lot of it is driven by sports science. At the MLB sure. Winter Meetings just recently, we met with 20-plus teams to talk about rolling out biomechanics initiatives at their place. Right. We're doing the Tour of America where we take our biomechanics lab to all sorts of schools, LSU, Shreveport, Vanderbilt, all, all sorts of places. And it's um, that's what we want to highlight is sure. that we're so much about sports science initiatives and coaching the coaches. That's what we're all about. I know this is going to be a really broad question, but I think it could take us down a couple different pathways. If I am uh, any coach that's out here, of course, the youth and high school and college, even professional, what are some things from the uh, health and safety, from the biomechanical? I know it's such a broad question. What are some things that these coaches need to be brought up to speed on and then start and then start building up on? Yeah, I would say two things. One, you know, MLB's Pitch Smart is such a great initiative okay. on how to handle someone from age 8 all the way up through high school. Yep. Uh, we, are, we adhere to their guidelines as well. I think it's awesome. I think the USA Baseball people do a great job. Um, We've been with them for a long time, working with the Gosley guys. Um, sure. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing I would like, how are you going to use, like, modus sleeves or stuff like that to mm -hmm. monitor workload? Yeah. And so the big thing is, like, you need to be familiar with Brian Conger. You know, Tarleton yes. State, very limited resources. But at the same time, Brian has such a good systematic approach, and he publishes everything openly on his Twitter. Yeah. And so that's great for the college coach, and it's great for the dad. Like, yep. how, do you, how do you scale it? But then also, how do you even get started? Mm -hmm. And Brian, to me, is he's by far leading all of college baseball. Major Division One to Juke, I don't care. Brian's doing the best, uh, probably doing the most to keep his pitchers healthy out of anyone out there. And I, I, Yeah, so. Let's go down that rabbit hole. Okay, so the, I always lean on you, and I say, hey, man, who are the dudes out there that really get it? Yeah. And you obviously throw some names at me. We run with it. A lot of those guys are showing up on the podcast. For the ones that are out there, really, they're crushing it, man. They get it. They understand all the dynamics around it. Lay out from your perspective why they're being so successful and how they're implementing some of these programs. Yeah, yeah, because it's not about the technology, and it's not about anything you spend on. It's about having a, a true system, you know. And so when exactly. I got my start with the Houston Astros, what I really noticed in 2012 and on when I started working there is that they were starting to really develop a system on how they were going to do things. You know, we're going to have scouts. They're going to contribute. Their reports are going to go into a database, and we're going to really systematize it. Like, this right. is happening. Then when they get drafted, we draft these kids. They go here for player development. The player development is going to be handled this way, this way, this way. There's yeah. a lot of individualism in it, but we're going to start with a basic scaffolding. Right. So where I think a lot of coaches get overwhelmed is like, oh, we can't individualize everything, and we can't do this. That makes It's true because yeah. you've got to start with some sort of base level. So when I saw that with Houston – 
I really took that idea and ran with it and kind of built my business around the idea that we were going to have people. This is how employees are going to come in. This is how we're going to train them. Yeah. And this is the end result. And so it's, it's what leads to a great team culture is not like heavy metal music or yelling at the kids <laughs> or being um, uh, disagreeable on Twitter. It's, it's, re it's really more about like we show the kids like what's possible, mm -hmm. what people have done where they're at now, where they're going, and all the steps along the way. And, you know, we're still trying to learn, yeah, but like having, showing a kid that gives them ultimate confidence. And that's what we see the best of, whether it's Yeski or Woodard. Woodard is extremely meticulous. Yeski is not. You know, right. like he's, he doesn't use slides and that he's much more off. But, like, the way that he thinks is very integrated. Right. And Conger, like, handles other, the workload the way he does. It's all different, but it's the thing that unifies it is that they just write stuff down. It's what, it's what my dad always taught me at a young age. He's like, right. if you want to accomplish something, just write down everything you did every day. And Document then at the end, it. Yeah, at the end of the year, you're going to know what you do. You're going to look back, and if you're embarrassed to look back, then you know what happened. You know, so he's wow. like, just write everything down in a journal. It doesn't have to be expensive. You know, I still use a journal and pen and paper. You know, I think it's wow. the best way to go about it. So Old just school. really documenting it is the way to go. Um, I know you're in the spirit of, of constantly learning. It's obvious. Um, I still think you're the smartest dude in any room you walk into. I'll say that wow. for you. Yeah, wow. I'll give that Thank to you. you. But also know you're humble enough to say that there's something recently that challenged you. Maybe it was an article you read, conversation you had, that maybe you went. Yeah, actually, you know what? I could be doing that better. I could shift. I could move. What would that be? Yeah, I would say uh, I, I would say that our company has failed in a lot of regards on how we train new employees. You know, because I would say, oh wow, you know, it's we we don't do a, we hire a lot of the great college coaches. You know, yep. like junior college because they've dealt with adversity, and that's really important to me that a coach has dealt mm. with some adversity in his life, personally or professionally. Yeah, it's kind of I'm a little biased because I come from a little tough situation. Yep. You know, and so I've seen that's what I see in good athletes and good coaches have overcome adversity no at doubt. a young age or no have doubt. dealt with something early, and so. And so that's a strength of the of this current coaching staff we have. It's very, um, you know, it's very varied from a former recruit of yours, Eric Jagers, no doubt. to no doubt. someone who's dealt with injuries. And I did like land them, by the way. So <laughs> apparently, someone someone awry. So from that to like great coaches like Bill Hessel from you know a D three, yep. formerly at a JUCO. It's great, but we need to do a better job of imparting like the technology initiatives that we're doing. Like how, sure. how we need to get uh, a broader base. Like instead of just hiring guys that have strong adversity and hoping they figure it out, right. which they do. Um, we can't always do that. You know, hmm. the reason that we were faster than pro teams on Jason Ochart, who's the flavor of the month and everyone loves him here, is that... <laughs> is like, Jason here? Yeah, he's, <laughs> oh, he's talking to a thousand people, I'm sure. But we saw on Twitter, like, he documented his process and we were able to hire him. But now yeah. the pro teams, the Minnesota Twins, the Anaheim Angels, many other teams, they're doing that. So how do we become faster at hiring the 22, 23-year-old mm. who hasn't yet proved himself yeah. and train him to be the best guy? And because we don't have that system, that's what challenged me. You know, pro teams are hiring the guys, they're hiring Jason Ocharts, so now they're hiring those guys. And so for me, I got to move faster so that challenged me um when i saw that so how do i get on that i'm gonna play on a couple tweets i think you just walked right into oh, that spider web oh no is no 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 <laughs> just just where the current state is yeah. and where things are going and you were tweeting a couple days ago about the hiring systems and yeah. the things that these coaches need to be aware of i'm just gonna open that door for you yeah it's uh, it's tremendous this year is gonna be it's great Wes johnson's gonna change it you know a friend of abc Changing the game yeah it's, it, that was the linchpin right west going from arkansas to the big leagues with no stop in between that's right and then prior to that Derek johnson obviously vanderbilt to the cubs and then moving up those types of things shift the industry permanently and so by seeing that um you're gonna see a lot of people who have like four and a half years of coaching college ball yeah. because they leave and then go to pro ball yeah. and so then Professional baseball is they want people that document their processes that are going to integrate well that have some technology background and just and like I said in the expo theater this right. stuff's not going to be optional right I know we can fight against it but like a system and how we develop players 
it's no secret why the Astros win all the, all the time. You know, they have the number one pitching prospect and, you know, the number one prospect in the game, of right. course, Whitley. You right. Know, uh, and other, you know, and they didn't have to trade him to get Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander. Yeah. You know, so it's because they developed so many players below no that. You know, no and doubt. so that's that's the future of baseball, whether people know it or not. You know, like how the Astros do business generally yeah. on player development. That's where everyone's going. So for me, to my advice to the coaches is to see that and then move in that direction. Like, how can I dominate Division One? How can I move up the ladder of college baseball, which yep. is always about results and documenting results in the age of social media, is like showing that that's how we're doing it. Right. Uh, and then also, if you have aspirations to go into pro ball, that's even more important. Just wow. being able to document that. So that's that's what I think is really important. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, I could go down a couple different places here. I, I do want to give you an opportunity because I think it's it's one that through social media. We almost feel like we're there, and so when I see videos, when I watch you guys tweet, when I see, I feel like I'm 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 back where we were hanging out a couple months ago, That's right. and right in the middle of, of the facility, take us into I think if we could taste and breathe and touch the culture of driveline and what's happening from the development end, and I'm, I mean the nuts and bolts of being in the cage, the competitions, live ABs. Right. Take us into all that. Yeah, and that's the big thing. You know, Jake McKinley, good friend of mine, obviously yeah. spoke, and now with the Brewers. Yeah. Uh, Jake and I have talked a lot about this and why when you go to Menlo College or William Jessup or wherever he was, yeah. why it's the same energy. Why? No it's because it's competition. Jake always believed in ending a practice with a competition, yeah. right? Whether it's putting, a putting competition, kicking field goals, throwing strikes from 200 so feet awesome. away. No, it's great. And that's what we do at our place. It's always a competition, whether yeah. it's against yourself because it's the numbers. Here's how we're going to develop. Am I getting better myself? Or is it competing against someone else? Is it right. live at-bats? Is it the fact that a high school kid could take live at-bats off of Trevor Bauer? Right. Or that Forrest Whitley, Nate Pearson, Kyle Muller, all top 100 prospects, are going to face our college hitters they're going to come in and fit like it's tremendous they, wow. they love that competition so how often do you get to say you get to face a big leaguer you know and you're no gonna doubt. get embarrassed but at the end of the day like you're gonna learn right Couple guys got paid yeah, yeah that's right jason yeah <laughs> trevor was nice enough to pay we can get into that later <laughs> no but doubt. the fact that we have it's all around competition yeah. and then research like so there's very separated between like either we're competing or we're learning and we're competing at learning you know right. like that and they we hold the staff to such a high standard on trying to get better we provide our staff with like two thousand dollars or even more research credit each person is given thousands of dollars of leeway to go fly somewhere to go learn something when i go to abca sure. barnstormer event that's happened right no we sent guys to that. No uh, if they want to go fly to a sports science lab somewhere else, we pay for all of that. Because yep. you know what? Our guys need to get better. If they're not getting better, then they're, they're not improving. But no also the athletes aren't respecting them. If we're going to ask yep. the athlete to learn and get better and, and put in four hours a day of work, then the staff has to be held to a higher standard. Yeah, even a higher no standard. Right? So that's that, and that's what, that's what fires up the athletes. Can we go into, uh, let's segment this and go into the pitching side. Obviously what Max and the whole crew have done on that side of things. Uh, go down the pitching element. Talking pitch design. Uh, you know, obviously, Eric does a fantastic job with the with the uh, tweets and stuff that he's yep. doing. I don't even get into the camera systems that you have in place, but yep. but from a pitching standpoint, um, how how much have you progressed in where? Let's just go back. Let's give you a, just a, a number here of three years ago. Sure, three years ago, what you thought you knew about pitch development, pitch design. To where you stand right now? Yeah, since we're the validation partners for Rapsodo, and we yeah. work close, so closely with TrackBan, we've helped push those products, right? And we're really proud to do that. So a lot of it is just having like good, you know, good data on that. So no you know, and it's amazing how fast the game changed. Like I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, three, four years ago, uh, Trevor Bauer and I worked very hard on developing a two-seam fastball. You'll watch it in the game; it just looks like Greg Maddox's fastball. It's a tremendous pitch. Yeah. The problem is, is what people swing on, swing at it. Like it's pretty, pretty bad results actually. Yeah, no doubt. So. 
the game changed in two years, like so quick that a sinker slider guy in the big leagues ended up being like quite worse. Like now it's a four seam curveball game, and that happens so fast. Yeah, so how is he going to adapt? Now we got to add a slider. Now we got to do this, this, and this. And that's what Trevor always talks about. It's this consistent learning and consistent like. You have to get better as a pitcher in the big leagues. It's tough. You have to get better every year just to tread water. No doubt. Because the hitters are getting better and better. I know hitters are striking out more and more, and we're talking about this. But as a, as a quick as I'll tell a quick story, Brandon, Brandon McCarthy calls me, yep. and he says, I'm, I'm going to retire. I just want to let you know. And I said, you know, it's been a great career. We're talking. And I said, if you just had you know, a quick question, like, was there a linchpin moment? What, what caused you to, to, to retire? You know, one thing. And he tells me a story. He's like, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm, in, well, I'm with Atlanta, and I'm on the DL. And I'm contemplating whether or not I want to hang it up. Uh, the Rays open up a kid throwing 100, Cuban kid, right? Strikes out the first guy, Ronald Acuna hits a double, and then Ozzy Albies hits a, a two-run bomb. Right. He comes in, and Brandon's like, was it flat? Like, did he miss? What's the deal? It was a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. And Ozzy Albies is just like, it's just, it's just 100. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> and Brandon's like, yep. Yeah, it's time. That's it. That's it. It's time, <laughs> to, about, it's time to quit. That's, that's too much, honestly. So a lot of it is like, it, so fastball velocity has never been more important in the game because yep. you got to get in and you have to pitch around it, but it's yep. never been less important because the hitters get exposed to it. So True. it's 100%. pretty interesting that you have to actually learn to pitch. It's a big part of where we're at. Like velocity, uh, as our story is pushing that forward, sure. and I'm proud of it, and people do need to throw hard because there's not a lot of 86-mile-an-hour throwers in the game. Sure. But like the hitters are getting a lot better. Well, I know it doesn't look like that, but being able to get those guys out is actually pretty hard. So Gosh. it's a lot of fun to talk about that. Trevor's an intriguing cat, and I think a lot of guys would be uh, – you can kind of break into your relationship, number one. But more importantly, how is he engineered? Because, man, that, that dude just seems like he is constantly – if there's a better way, I want to find it. If there's a better way, better way to get batters out, I want to find it. I want to figure it out. I want to improve. Take me into him. Yeah, so – we met in 2012, and our relationship has developed since then. Right. We're good personal friends now and off the field. You know, it's it's adversarial. We yell at each other every so often. You know, I mean, <laughs> we compete, you know, at no the end doubt. of the day. Uh, he he's going to have respect for someone who's dealt with some adversity, you know. Sure. So if he if he thinks that's why he loved doing the thousand dollars stuff with the minor leaguers, yeah. he's like these kids are dealing with adversity, and I'm not going to give them the money. They got to earn it. No you doubt. Know? But at the end of the day, that that's what fuels him because that that's what's going to make him better. Sure. You know. So I would say that he's really driven by competition. That's the number one thing. He yep. loves playing the game. He's only going to sign one year deals because he wants to bet on himself. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lot of fun stuff that I think the fans can I really identify that, with. You know, it's like this kid's going to bet on himself. He's not going to sign a three hundred million dollar deal and quit. He's going to be a guy that only wants to bet on himself and he always wants to learn he's like what's gonna what's gonna be i want to win a cy young every year you know that's his expectation whether wow. it's gonna happen or not you know he probably came close this year if he didn't break his leg yeah it'd have been close between him and the local product blake snell yeah you know but like at the end of the day that's his expectation he's like i want to pitch for team usa it's his big dream uh on the on the, on the pro side yeah. he's pitched for the college yeah. side yeah. he's like but I, he's like, i want to wear the colors and i want to just win a cy young every time so what do i got to do to do that every wow. year he's always asking how can i get better what do i need to do to get better and so he puts his faith in someone like me and our saber metric analysts like dan ocoin and eric yep. jagers to be like here's the things that you need to get better he has his own ideas of course i'm not saying that he doesn't but then he trusts us to help him and he uses other people like bob kai's obviously been at abc yeah. for, for yeah. a decade no right? so bob does his biomechanics at the end of the season he has a nice footprint he goes and sees a stanford doctor this so he has a, a team of people he surrounds himself with that he's always trying to get better. And it's just base of operations is that driveline. And, I'm, you know, I'm, we're not threatened yeah. by any of that. Every, everyone can offer something, you know, and he loves talking to Jason. You know, I know he gives him a lot of uh, a lot of guff online, you know, but, like, he, he wants to get in the mind of a hitter. What are they actually thinking? What are you going through the process? Because when he wants Jason – 
He's like, that's the future of hitting. Like, every big league hitting coach is going to be doing what Jason Ochart's doing. So I need to learn why. Why does he do that? How does he get the guys better? What is he thinking? i got to be ahead of Jason. Right. So it's a really fun relationship. Oh. Those two have a great relationship. They actually live together, so they have a great relationship. Oh, they're yeah. super competitive. So yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Well, they're- take the same three-year question and take that into hitting. So where were we three years ago at the travel on facility compared to now? Yeah, we gave Jason, I said, you're going to come in, you're going to have a budget of $30,000, you're going to have a hit tracks in a cage, and I don't really care what you do. <laughs> so he comes in after playing in Sweden and having some fun. He comes in, and he's just like, all right, you know, what's the hitting program, and how am I going to take it over? And yeah. I said, there, there isn't one. You can do whatever you want. And Jason, <laughs> sure. like, just straight up didn't believe that I was going to let him do whatever he wanted. I said, you're, you're the expert. I hired you. I paid you. You know, you do it. So then we went wow. from nothing to a constant amount of improvement. He's taken some L's along the way about how he wants to do things, but he's, he's such a good feel for hiring and, and bringing people in. Um, and the, what he's done a good job of is really developing a system around the technology. Right. That took a long time. No doubt. The fly, what we call it the research flywheel. It takes a long time to get it going. On the pitching side, it took us years to really get it going, like from research to figuring something out to application, which right. fuels the research and over and over and over again. We're almost there on the hitting side. So we have, like, blast motion, hit tracks, so wow. forth. And so we have these reports that our interns do a great job of saying, like, the player's like, hey, my attack angle, my exit velocity, blah, blah, blah. It's not about any of those metrics necessarily. You know, I, th- I can see why the old school coach glazes over when he hears that. Yep. It's about production, right? These yep. are the things that are strongly correlated to production. These are the things that work. These things that don't. And we have, like, one unified score that we can actually say, this guy's barreling balls better. We're testing a guy. We're actually just using – Old school stuff that Ed Chef was doing at LC State yeah. decades ago oh, about man. like these kids just it should practice and they should expect failure every single day. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get them to fail every single day here to yeah. learn something about themselves to be adaptable to move on from there. And so you know Ed really had it right in some regards. Yeah, in perhaps, some regards, perhaps the boxing and all that oh, not so much. The stories but. are legendary. <laughs> yeah. um, you just mentioned failure, and obviously it's prevalent in what we do, and especially from the hitting side of things. Um, what are some things, if you can pull back the curtain a little bit, that maybe you mentioned a little bit ago, that maybe we failed at from the hitting side? What would you offer? You know, I think it's a lot of the integration. We're finding out more and more on the pitching and the hitting side, which we've always – my start was getting into barbell training and powerlifting. Right. And I always, I've always thought power and strength is important. Yep. Uh, but on the hitting side, I think we've really vastly underestimated how important that is. Like our relationship with TPI, with Dr. Greg Rose and yep. on base you and all that, yep. has been great from a postural and movement screen side. Like, I think that's been huge. Max yep. Gordon leads that initiative for us. Yep. Um, but the big side of it, we're finding it more and more. It's just, like, s- simple power, rotation power, like power from the ground up. Uh, is just clean, not, not only cleans up some mechanical issues on the hitting side, but yep. also is just, like, is required to continue moving on. Like, you're not going to be able to teach a guy advanced hitting movements, uh, like how to move their body through space and proprioception, unless they're strong enough, powerful enough right. and on that side. So we're finding out more and more that the high performance, the strength side of it is, like, incredibly valuable, which I think some some people really discount the value of that. And just like being grossly strong and being yeah. able to use, be able to tap into that over time is actually probably one of the most important things. If you're a father, 14-year-old hitter, sure. the number one thing they need to do is just go into the LA Fitness, the high school gym, and they need to lift three, four days a week. They need to get on a very basic program like starting strength. Yeah. They need a squat bench, deadlift. They just need to do pull-ups. And they need to get really strong. And then from there, you get to do all the fun stuff. That's but it. you can't do the fun stuff until we get just really strong. Like that's right. the most – I would say that's the biggest thing on the hitting side that I think is really important. I love it. Okay. A couple more questions I got for you. One is, you know, I'm going back to our podcast episode, and we really – that timing of that was around the draft. And we're spending a lot of time talking about, especially to coaches that are listening to this, if I'm a, of a youth or especially a high school coach, I'm looking at guys that – potentially could get drafted if I'm a college coach and I've got those those juniors from a junior college coach my freshman or sophomores and I'm looking at them going man there's organizations that if you get drafted by I'm a little 
scared of what might happen because you you know too much. Yeah. And I know that you know too much. So if we're looking at all 30 clubs, let these guys know, fill them in, update them, educate them on maybe the current state of Major League Baseball organizations. Yeah, there's a handful of clubs. If you're a high school kid, you know, there's a handful of clubs you really want to be drafted by yep. because of player development. On the college side, if you're a first to top rounder, those might not be the best fit because they do such a good job of developing guys. You might right. want to go to another <laughs> bet, bet on yourself. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, but there's some organiza- There's a lot of organizations that are pretty adversarial to long toss, you know, hitting fly balls. No doubt. Um, there's a, there's an organization. There's two organizations in Florida. They <laughs> they share a complex. I'll be I'll be nice. Okay. They share a complex. One of them, uh, all their hitters use blast motion sensors. Every single every hitter has a blast motion sensor, yep. and they hit the fourth coach records all the data, sees like is exit velocity dropping. What's their launch angle over time? Right. Like wow. monitors throughout the season. Yep. They do laser timing of, of tens and thirties and sixties in season. Are they getting slower? Wow. Right. They do force plate testing. Like this. By the way, these two teams share a complex. Okay. The other team has to take. Uh, all breaking balls has to take one oh two one all plus count fastballs, and if they hit the ball up above like a five degree launch angle, they get yelled at. And they, they share a complex. So I'm like, you know, what could it possibly be like to play those games? I hope they're hearing this. I hope yeah, they, yeah, you know, yeah. that's why they know who they are. No, 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 not <laughs> them. I just hope you guys yeah. are hearing this. So like, it's funny to see like if those two play games. Like we had one with the with the with the not great organization, and then they play the other team across the street, and they're just like. How is this possible? Right. You know, so to get that list and to know that, like, you know, Alan Jager and yep. I and Eric Cressy, yep. no all doubt. three of us work on that Fantastic list every single episode, year. And we put man. a ton of time into it. And so we talk to new draftees and say, and we talk to agents. So there's, like, great agencies that pay attention to that. Yep. So I'm not going to name any great names. I'm not going to name what good names or bad names for agencies are. But there's, there's some great people here that are actually agents that come to this event yep. to talk to coaches uh, that do a good job of, of staying ahead of that. It's like, hey, it's not about another $10,000, $20,000, $30,000. Right. It's like, you need to hit your projection. If you're going to be a guy that signs in the 11th round, it really doesn't matter. Like no how doubt. much you're not going to get any money. So how about let's focus on fo- arranging you to the right team. Yep. You know, like like tell these teams have have the confidence to tell these teams you're not interested and you want to go somewhere else. Right. You know? uh, and if you're a top round guy, you, you, sometimes it's out of your control. But at least you can like make it known. Like this is the direction I want to go. This is what I'm going to do. And if it's going to be a problem, eh, you know. Yeah. Because like, if you're going to be a top ten, if you're going to be a top ten pick or top thirty pick, it's like you're going to pitch. You're going to pitch in the big leagues. That's right. You know, you're, that's your expectation. Yeah. So do you want to? Like, do you want to fight the organization every day and go to work and have a problem, or do you want to like go to an organization with a growth mindset? No doubt. And that's changing over time for sure. Like, it's rapidly changing towards the good. Yeah. But there's still still a lot of pitfalls out there. I'd probably say eight, eight to ten teams you really don't want to play for if you if you care about development. That's where we're at. Eight to ten out of thirty. It's a tough situation. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. When we're looking at the Dallas Convention, what are your goals, man? What'd you walk in here and want to accomplish? Uh, man, that's a, that's a great. That's a wow. That's a great question. We asked the tough spot. questions here. The, man. That is a tough question. That's why I love you. Um. <laughs> I have a, in the interest of being completely open, um, what I'd really like to do, uh, I'd like to be a pitching coordinator, I think, like Jason. Yep. Uh, Being able to do a part-time thing and stay at driveline. I'm I'm in discussions with a few teams, actually, to to do that. Awesome. Um, Well deserved. And uh, eventually, you know, I think the game is going in the right direction, that if if it really goes in this direction and data and the way that we stay on top, then I think it makes sense that I'll be a big league pitching coach someday, honestly, uh, within the next five to six years. Um, We've already had some discussions with some teams on how that might happen over time. Um, but I, I see it being a top-down approach where the big league coach is going to be talking to, like, he's going to arrange the organization. Uh, no different than, like, the White Sox, right? right. Don Cooper from the top down. This yeah. is what we care about the White Sox. Yeah. Or Dave Duncan with the, the, the Cardinals. Yeah. We care about ground balls, sinkers, pitching at the bottom of the zone, right? Yeah. These are the guys that we want. Cool. Well, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but, like, that's the direction they go. And um, someday I'd like to be able to prove that I can do that. You know, I'm 35 now. Yeah. Um, you know, past 40, I think those are some, some things I'd like to, to explore. Um, beyond that, as far as driveline goes, I'm really passionate about improving the side of pitching 
coaching, the training side, like yep. uh, training our employees. I think yep. we failed there. That's what I'm passionate about, improving that. Uh, and uh, really constantly just research and development has been so much fun to expand our team to seven just extremely brilliant people from backgrounds all over the place. Um, right. Our electrical engineers is a woman. Uh, we've, we had a 16-year-old female intern who pitches in high school in college awesome. in, in California and chops kids. Uh, so we have a really diverse group of people in research that I think we can learn from all of them. And it's it's been so much fun on the research side, and I'm ready really to turn it over to Joe Marsh to do a lot of the work and for me to really take another step forward on the pitching side and, and, and do that. Because like we've done such a good job on research, we're not even really using all the, all the technology there, and yeah. I think we need to do a better job there. So it's about training our employees and getting that and getting it accessible to the coaches out there. And that, no that's my, that, you, know, you know Mike, know. That, that's, know. Mike's, that's Mike's biggest thing. Yep. I totally agree with them, and i, I got to do a better job on training the guys and doing I'm not saying I'm doing a bad job, but you know me. I could always do a better job on that side. I love yeah. it, gosh. So, First of all, I'm so motivated by this friendship, man. I'm telling you, you 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 set such a standard every day. Like I got to step my tweet game up. That's one thing, but <laughs> it, it, it's more of just the the constant state of learning, that growth mindset. Like to me, that's the standard, and I think we all need to strive towards that. And it's certainly something that motivates me. When you get your big league pitching job, yep, I'm your PFP fungo hitter. PFP, yeah, make it happen. How are you on stingers? Uh, as right. good as you can get. Ooh. Drop them on home plate all day long. Oh, let's go. All That's long. it. That's all we need. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for jumping on with us, Kyle. Man, keep crushing thanks, the bro. Dallas convention. Look forward to catching up. Thanks again. for having me, Sheets. No doubt, bro. Appreciate it. Thank you.